Talk brunch served hot. Talk brunch live. Rick Barry, aka Captain Brunch, your host here with his co-host Justin Soblo Frazier. Guys, it's officially the most important day of the year. Oh yeah. Hey, talk, y'all thought I was talking about the election. No, it's Chris Jericho's birthday. Happy birthday, Jericho. There you go. Happy birthday. Yeah, that was another important day, wasn't it? A lot to talk about tonight, though. All the politi- they were all the political ads finally stopped. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we're at, we're at the end of it. And that's what we're going to be getting into tonight. Um, everyone's like, finally, and all the political stuff will stop and we will dance with the Ewoks. Why not, right? That's all. There's no <laughs> politics to worry about at all. The main guy's gone. Like, all you got to do, dance with the Ewoks and don't think about what happened to everybody else across the galaxy. I'm sure it'll all work itself out. The Ewoks are happy. It must mean that it's good. This isn't a complex political situation at all. It doesn't matter who stabs who with a lightsaber and what Ewok's happy. So. <laughs> They're all going to be mad again in like a week anyway. So. United States of America, directed by Ryan Johnson. You stupid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about a bunch of different wrestling that has happened. We did not do... Uh, post show for AEW Full Gear so we're going to have that tonight as well as talk about the G1 the conclusion the entire conclusion of the G1 yes I managed to catch up I'm also going to go into Power Struggle which we watched as well as well as the weeklies and some of the news going on crazy things with the Rio and Page, people missing in action and all kinds of dramatic stuff happening shout out to everyone who is live with us as well as those listening on iTunes Stitcher TuneIn SoundCloud iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, of course, TalkBrunch.com, as well as Twitch.tv slash TalkBrunch, Facebook.com slash TalkBrunch. Thank you all for being here. We'll shout you out in the chat room at the very end of the program. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks, right? Oh, man. You had your G1 week. Holy shit. Yeah, man. I told you about that shit earlier. I was like, my God. All I, I just made sure I watched it no matter what, honestly. I just there, there weren't many other streams on this week. I, I needed a break from the game streams anyway as we're jumping into a new console generation. Everything's transitioning over. But, uh, yeah, I just g one no matter what was happening. I was like, you know, G1 time. Hey, SmackDown's on. Nope. G1. <laughs> hey, you know, full gear's on after oh. G1. No, I actually stopped for for that, and then we went back to G1. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, hey, you want to play some games? Nope, G1. Just made sure that I got this thing out of the way. So we're going to talk in detail about the entire thing tonight. Dinner's ready. All right, put it next to G1. Yep. Dinner's ready. Set it down next to the G1. <laughs> so uh, there's been some interesting news that I want to get into first. Otherwise, we'll never get into it. But remember, we spoke a couple of weeks ago. Paige had that breakdown on Twitch in regards to... Uh, losing her channel and she talked about how she had an abusive boyfriend which everyone pretty much assumed had to be alberto del rio because at the same time we're covering this story another story is coming out about him holding hostages gotham city joker style you know holding kids off buildings (laughs) he was like straight wrong with you the bad guy right straight up villain this time of need they're like he's the first villain to arise isn't that how it starts before you get heroes i'd love to see fucking michael cole tell him how much the fucking torture equipment costs like yeah it's pretty crazy so, uh, Paige was on, uh, a podcast called GAW Grown Ass Women. Whose podcast is that? I have no idea. <laughs> There's a few people on here. I believe I saw SoCal Val on there. Um, Mickey James is there. 
I forget who else, but it's like four girls and she talks without saying his name, but you kind of know that she's talking about Del Rio. So uh, I want to let you guys hear it. I'm going to link you guys to the full show for anyone who wants to listen, which I say listen to it. It seems like it's a good enough listen, uh, but we're here for the uh, Del Rio stuff. I've never openly talked about, you know, my ex, which is very out, it's out there, but I've never talked about it. It, mm-hmm. it was very obvious what was happening. And right. it's very obvious what I went through and all that kind of stuff. And at the beginning, like, you know, you fight back when it comes to that kind of stuff. You're fighting back with this person. And you're like, I'm not going to take this shit. This is not how I got brought up. You know what I mean? Right. But in the end, it becomes a cycle mm-hmm. where if you fight back, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you go for a stage where you just, it, it's once every couple of weeks to once a week to every other day to nearly every single day where something is happening to you. And it's not just for an hour. It's for hours. It's like, it's up to six, seven hours a day. You're like, you're literally like trapped in like the certain room and getting your ass beat every couple of minutes. You know what I mean? Like, and doing all these crazy things to you. And it's, it's like, it's, it's crazy. I never thought I would ever be in that position in my life just because mm-hmm. of the way I got brought up. I never thought it, but it happens to even, even the most strongest people, I feel like it happens. You get, and you should never feel bad about it. And that's another thing about the internet is, <clears throat> again, they victim blame. Mm-hmm. Where even if I don't say anything, they'd be like, well, it's probably your fault and his A, B, and C reasons why. Or it's like just something. Or that never happened. It was, it was all your imagination. And I'm like, I'm not even saying it. I've never right. spoke about it ever in any <clears throat> context, in any podcast, in any interview. I, I always stayed away from it. But now it's completely out there. I'm just like, why not? Why am I shying away from this? Like, why am I not brave enough to talk about it? Yeah, right. I'll never say his name again because he's like Voldemort to me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deserve to have like that kind of stuff. But right. he he needs it's calm. What happened to him is calm is a real thing. And mm-hmm. you put out what you receive, and right now he's receiving what thoughts. You know what the sad part about it with what we've heard now about him pretty believable it is yeah it is highly believable being locked in a room kind of sounds like the mo right we we have clearly seen that this man is 52 shades of crazy like we you know that's the thing people always like finger point at least the sjw's they finger point where it's like they kind of try to pin you and i especially me as like uh you know like we're just bad guys we're just because no, we have reasonable, just because we have reasonable doubt. But well, this is one of those situations that I explained, where it's like, "Yep, I guess that's pretty much that." <laughs> yeah, she, she. Now, yeah, out of his mind, like. <laughs> now here's the deal. Okay, of course there is still going to be a devil's advocate aspect to that, and I hate to have to play it here. Uh but they they were on Instagram during this time. A lot. Yeah. And I mean a lot. To the point where sometimes we would have to sort through the amount of videos that we would have of them walking around in the city talking shit on Instagram, laughing or being drunk at restaurants or partying, hanging out, doing all kinds of crazy shit. It's just an awfully long amount of time for this hanging out to happen. And uh, I'm sure that Del Rio's a crazy dude who's done all of that. I also feel, and this isn't victim blaming or anything, but Paige is by no means an angel either. And uh, she's done her dirt. And I think that both of them, to some aspect, were just guilty of having a toxic relationship, at least the way um, that's what I gather from it, you know. 
So uh, the thing is, TMZ Sports caught up with Del Rio, and uh, he said that it was the other way around and that he has evidence, not just words. And he said, I would say, Raya, why, why, why are you doing this, Raya? And I'm not calling you Paige because you were never Paige to me. You were Raya. Why would you hurt me in a moment like this? So those are the things that Del Rio is saying. He's saying that uh, he has proof that she was the abusive one in the relationship. And uh, he's saying it was the other way around. Now, uh, he also said that he was thinking of taking legal action against her for defamation of character, which is his legal right. I've said before that I'm surprised more people nowadays don't pull that trigger. But he's thinking of taking legal action because of her words. There's no question that Del Rio's done some wild stuff, but I am going to say this. If you go back into the archive of our episodes when we were following this week to week, there were points where shit happened with them that sounded like they made up stories where it sounded more plausible that Paige attacked him. And we were saying this, just speculating. But I remember at the time, there was a point where it was a weird story. I don't remember. You guys have to go find our old episodes. But there was this weird story where, like, uh, I remember they were, like, at a restaurant. And it said some guy came up to Del Rio and started slashing at his arm. And they showed, like, the slashes on his arm. I forget what this was an excuse for, for no showing a show or for him not being somewhere or whatever. And it just didn't, it seemed weird, like, when you looked at it, like, how would someone come up to you and slash you? And I forget the, the specifics, but if we look back at the, these episodes, we pieced it together at at, uh, at it being her. Like, they got into some sort of a domestic thing, and if maybe whether it was in defense or not, she fucking slashed them. At least that's what we got from the time. Again, this was years ago when this happened. But, uh, again, not justifying or making any excuses for what he did, but I'm just saying that there was a lot of crazy stuff going on with them back then that was below the surface and people were just mainly looking at what was on the surface. So now looking at this, there is a chance that he might have some sort of substantial, tangible evidence that she was the abuser. And uh, if he did, that would really fuck her up if he does decide to sue her. On the other hand, it does look bad for his current case that he's in the middle of, that he's out on bail for, that's extremely serious. <laughs> yeah, like, he can say he has all the proof that we haven't seen yet whereas we see the shit he's going through now doesn't look good on his end no but the other stuff to be oh. fair at the time probably because she was having a fucking moment didn't look good on her part and he kind of covered for her when they said that a little midget robbed him or whatever the stupid story was yeah. and somebody came with him and slash that flash i mean hey if he has his evidence i want to see what it is it's a shame that these two got away from each other and now they're being reignited through podcasts and media and talking and doing things when uh, right. the whole thing shouldn't be. It was like the escape just wasn't in time, you know? Yeah, I feel that. But Paige definitely, if you had to pick someone who would, you'd say this to, you know, Paige got her life together. Whatever was happening back then, uh, you can see visibly and they talk more about it on that podcast. Uh, who was the fourth person? Was it Tara? Yeah, it looked like that was a uh, Tara or Victoria, as we know her. Okay, yeah, you 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 could see that uh, in that podcast they discuss how this is the best she's ever looked. Like Mickey James goes into a little bit about how this is the best she and she does. She looks healthy. You can tell because we talked on here when she didn't look healthy. So I mean, whatever she, she was, had a sunken she was doing, chest, looked like she was ninety pounds soaking wet with a brick in each pocket. Like yeah, whatever she was doing, she's better and she's okay. And he, on the other hand, is still terrible. So he was definitely the influencer, no matter what, even if she does have yeah. sins in her past. Which that's another thing where it's like, at least for me, it 
doesn't make anything look any better for Del Rio because it's like, how is it that they separate and she just suddenly, like, well, not suddenly, but she's literally made a complete 180, whereas Del Rio is still crazy. It definitely doesn't look good for her. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah, only time will tell, though. You know, it definitely doesn't have that good of a look for her. But uh, for him more so, you know, it's just dredging yeah. up the past at this point for either of them where they are it's unfortunate because she's in a good place and it's gonna screw her over and he's in an awful place it's just gonna make it worse i don't even know can it even make it worse what's gonna happen to this i don't even know anymore with him i wonder if you ever see him in professional wrestling again or if he's ruined himself hell no who would want to work with him at this point yeah but the drama doesn't end in pages camp because apparently nope uh you heard about this one too I heard about this too, and I couldn't believe it happened again. I couldn't believe it. I laughed out loud when I came across this, and not because I felt just because I was so shocked. And there are parts about this, and it's not this isn't a funny situation, but there are parts about the shit, the craziness of this that made me laugh. Um, it's like it's like that kind of laugh where it's like, "Are you shitting me again?" <laughs> so, how do you pronounce Paige's boyfriend's uh, name? Ronnie what? Ronnie Radke. Ronnie. Rad- Ronnie yeah, Radke. I believe it's Ronnie Radkin. Something like that. But he he tweets a stalker had the audacity to come to my door, got his ass handed to him until police arrived and saved the day. I will fucking kill you. Please don't make me kill you. So someone, a stalker, came into Paige and her boyfriend's place, and uh, she tweeted and she sca- said, "Scariest thing ever." He told us symbols led us led him to us. But Ronnie got him in a hole until police got here. What the fuck is wrong with people? Thank God Ronnie is around to protect our house. Jesus. Now, listen, I don't find the situation funny. But when she said that he told the symbols led him to us, I just laughed just because it was the fucking crazy. It's a crazy thing. You just didn't think you would hear what a crazy person would say. Like that motherfucker was crazy. He said that symbols led him to their house. Again, it's not funny that there's a stalker. You guys know how I feel about the stalker shit, but I just, I had to, I did a double take when I read the story. The fucking fact that the guy's excuse was that symbols led him. Like, is he talking like symbols like we see in that game we play, like Hellblade? Because that's what I was thinking. You, you literally, I just, what? That's what you meant, right? Like, that's, I I just got what you're saying. That guy. I'm sitting there like, this fucker, like, walk through the arch (laughs) three times, go down to the left, knock the bridge over, and then go to the right. Like, what the? That's it's so scary. It's funny because who the hell would want to be near someone who tells you that symbols let him kill that motherfucker? You kidding me? You can't let you can't let that crazy breeze the same kind of air. Symbols. Next day, they're the son of Sam. Even if he came to my house and said that, as scared as I'd be, I'd laugh just because it's the craziest, funny shit I've ever heard. Like, wow, symbols let this guy here. This is the real thing. This is one of those situations that I that most people see in a movie to hope that they're never in. You never want to be the guy or the girl. Who draws the symbols? Let me hear, dude. <laughs> you know, what the fuck is going on? Weekly Planet, Ashley. Hey, how you doing? Eb, what's up? I'd rather get your regular smash and grab killer, like the like the one, not not your killer, but your robber, like the one that accidentally killed Uncle Ben. Hopefully, not accidentally killing me. Like your regular dude, just a hat, fucking jacket, regular white guy. Down like, on times that has a pistol. I'd rather get that than the dude who symbols led him to me. You know, because if he believes in these so symbols, bad. what else did these symbols say to do? Yeah, I, I really just thought about it just now. Yo, friggin' Sonya Deville got the less crazy one. Ain't that a bitch? Yeah, because this one led him to symbols. Like, 
Timbles. I hope that uh they look into his stuff and his internet and at least find a search history or a way that he found her address because it'll be more upsetting to me if there really isn't any. If they're just like, we don't know how the fuck he found you. Because then, you know, it just kind of supports his symbols theory. Even though I don't think anything supports his symbols theory. Symbols led him to me. You put down kind of crazy like that. You don't lock him away. You put his ass down. What in the hell? That's a motherfucker who will break out of prison and be like, the mice help me. What? Yeah, if you get a stalker and he says symbols uh, led you, run, call the cops. Even if he doesn't say symbols, assume that symbols did lead him just in case and run and call the cops either way. Uh, Weekly Planet basically uh, Paige now had a uh, stalker and he said symbols led him to her. Symbols, you know. Yeah, you know, those symbols. One would assume incantations on a, like, 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 you know, like a, I don't know, like Like fucking hieroglyphics and shit. Yeah, like hieroglyphics and incantations being heard in his head and. Motherfucker said the cross three inches to the left from the second sun. Fucking like what? Yeah, well, uh, lock your doors, people. He was just Get at the gun. front door, Something. huh? Did he ring the doorbell? I wonder, right? Right. That part, I'm almost more curious. Like, how did like did he knock on the window? Did... He rang it with his mind. Oh fuck off! <laughs> no, no, no. I'm gonna tell you exactly what he did. He did like those old school fucking like '90s love movies. He sat, he sat outside of our house with a boombox playing her music and shit. Yeah. That's that's scary, man. Just in case she doesn't have enough drama, like she has another guy to worry about. Right? It's unbelievable. Lord, glad she's okay, but Jesus Christ, like what? So, in other news, this is a follow-up of last week's story. Good old Mister Carl Anderson. Oh snap, Mister Anderson! It appears you are cheating. Mr. Okay, I'll stop messing with it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't you go down that road, Davey. All right. Um, he sent out a message saying, all is well. Everything in our personal household was dealt with privately, swiftly, respectfully, and is a completely resolved issue. Appreciate the love and support of friends and fans worldwide from my entire family. My hashtag hot Asian wife and myself are considering this gimmick. That got completely out of hand as as case closed and won't make any more comments on it. Thanks. Okay, I get it. I get it. He said, okay, fair enough. What do you think? I mean, if y'all work it out, cool beans, but that was fast. You got out there fast. Like, all I'm saying right now is, like, you don't draw my face with cheat or an asshole that just get swiftly handled. Like, you should, Stasis is right. It was not handled privately. I just thought about that. Not like at all. How <laughs> that you, you literally just said the opposite. That's good. He must be democratic. He said the opposite of what was, <laughs> and we just accepted <laughs> it as what is. And went, yeah, but now she's right. She caught it. That's how you catch it. You see, that's, that's how you catch it right there. Everything was dealt with privately, swiftly, respectfully. None of those things are what happened. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. But uh, it was definitely handled publicly. It's not over. It was definitely handled publicly and disrespectfully. And uh, it was kind of dragged out, too. So it wasn't swiftly either. You might have nipped it in the bud before it got worse, but that was about it. Man, for that much trouble, I at least hope he got some pussy because most guys wouldn't even get, you know, (laughs) most guys get away with more than that and don't have to do with this. You better get some freaking apology strange. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> I mean, is it though? I don't know. It's subjective. You take it as you will. 
All right. I'm just reading the news, man. <laughs> so uh, apparently, according to the Sean Ross Sap podcast, the main roster people are the ones that are uh, banned off of Twitch and Cameo. NXT, for the time being, is exempt. I feel like anyone else, the Legends probably, because we know Mick Foley has his Cameo. I feel like the only people this affects currently are the main roster, so probably Adam Cole's exempt people like that. We don't know what happens when you get called up, though, if you have to extinguish it or whatever. So it's not even really the point of who's exempt. It's the point to me of whether or not this this law or this rule that they have should exist or how it would even exist in contracts that some date back to before Twitch was a thing. You ever think about that? Some of these people have five, six-year contracts. You're telling me that six, five, six years ago, or at least they they tried to group it into something that was already in that contract that just talked about rights and properties or something. I don't, I don't know how they did it, but it's a matter of whether or not they should have the right to do that to prevent people from WWE from being on Twitch, you know? everybody would have a brain that has no they shouldn't i don't think they should i mean there's people to the contrary but there's people to, to the contrary of everything you know what about that guy who was one of the people the heads of the google, the google stadia that recently said that he feels that anyone who's streaming games should have to pay a fee to the developers of the games since they're using their copyrighted content in their content and some people agreed with that guy it's like those people probably don't stream yeah i mean it's it's crazy copyright laws and everything are getting crazy so, I don't know. And laws in general, when it comes to the rights to things and contracts and everything, are getting very sketchy. And WWE kind of takes advantage of that. And that's all sort of going to be coming to a close with the way things are going in our world. Uh, simply because of the fact that, as you guys know, we are now under a democratic system. Whether you like it or not, it's there. But one of the benefits to that is, is our buddy Andrew Yang, who he said that if the Democrats were to win... He would be all up in Vince's shit from that point forward. The only way that wouldn't happen is if people that weren't part of his party didn't have power. So we are going to be able to have that being dealt with. And Lance Storm talked about the independent contractor thing. And uh, he said that his accountant refused to file his taxes with him as an independent contractor. And he said to him that that doesn't fit the criteria. And he said that that's what it says in his contract. And his contractor told him that you could sign a contract that says you're a duck. It doesn't make you one. So at the end of the day, there's an actual accountant out there that looked at Lance Storm's stuff when he was working for WWE and was like, dude, I can't make you an independent contractor on paper here. It, it just doesn't fit the criteria. So we know for a fact it doesn't, whether they put it in the contract or not. And uh, But then Lance Storm went on to say that when you have a unique job that pays well, you tend to follow the rules. So that's probably what's happening in a lot of cases. And this was in response to a question where he was asked if he felt taken advantage of. So it was a unique job. He just followed the rules. And I guess he just wanted the money. But yeah, they want him to be an independent contractor. And his accountant looked at him like, what the hell are you talking about? You're not an independent contractor. So now you got Andrew Yang on call here, who's probably going to be dealing with them. So expect some bad times for, uh, for them in regards to things. And there's been, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of politics here because it bleeds in with wrestling. Uh, you have Joey Janela, whoever thought he would come up in politics, right? And uh, <laughs> right. Because apparently people have been complaining that he needs to get in shape. Did you hear about this? Does it become a thing? Not just us. Oh, God. And uh, he promised that if Biden won, that he would get in shape. And uh, then afterwards, I guess he said, you miserable internet fucks. You know, did you really think that I'd get in shape for you? And it was like... I didn't think you'd get in shape for you, bro. 
So why would I think that you would get in shape for me or anyone? I didn't <laughs> think you like, would get I'm in shape. <laughs> or what are we talking about? Like, is this like ultimate universe? Like in Marvel, are we talking an alternate Joey Janela? Because you look the same to me. I didn't think he was anywhere near getting in or can get in shape. Every time I see that motherfucker, he looks like he just had a coffee cake. <laughs> and not the little square ones that are the twins where you could fold up and have one later. The round ones. <laughs> the motherfucker, you <laughs> one go. The big round ones. <laughs> you got a plan for that motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, it's about 3.15. All right, 4.15, I'll have that coffee cake. He's ready for that shit. It's his, he, it's what warms his, his tummy up for the fudge roundings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dark's over. Where's my coffee cake? So we have an example here of uh, someone who is blue, a Democrat, saying and promising to do something if they win, <laughs> if there's an election that's won and then it not happening. And I'm supposed to somehow be fucking surprised. Oh, God. So uh, Jericho puts out a tweet, right? Good old Chris Jericho. You all know we love Chris Jericho on here. Unconditionally. Jericho, if you're hearing this, we love you on here unconditionally. Been riding for you since day one, That's love that comes without fucking conditions. For anyone who doesn't understand what that means. Conditions being things that we don't agree with about Chris Jericho making us basically relinquish our love of him. That being said, so he tweets out, uh, a video or on Instagram, he shares a video of his ho- his old high school band, right? And underneath it, a whole bunch of people, Biden supporters and Democrats, bombard this guy's band video that he put out. We're just trolling. I'm sorry about your loss, Chris. I hope you devote your match to Donald. Underneath the band thing, right? Not a political person, but it's strange to see anyone else that after all his recent W's, Chris is taking an L on this one. Question, after taking an L, do you still celebrate with a little bit of the bubbly? Then someone else was like, next time give your money to charity, not to party politicians. They're already brought and paid for a junior. Because let's not forget, Jericho financially supported the Trump campaign. So that's where all this keeps coming from. And someone else puts Trump will never, ever be president again. And it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. So first you have Joey Janela who promises that he's going to eat less coffee cakes if the democrats win <laughs> and then you got a bunch of fucking pumpkins that are all complaining about jericho on a on a post that literally has nothing to do with politics it's this old high school video and i hate to say it but this is the point that i'm making this is the reason why a lot of people don't like democrats because that kind of behavior literally is what drove a lot of people in some cases to say, if I have to choose between this evil and that evil, you motherfuckers are so obnoxious. I rather go with this guy who's at least funny at trolling you. And that's really the reason why even this campaign came so close. Whether or not there was fraud or what happened, that's a different discussion. And we'll let the uh, the cards play themselves out. But the point being that this was neck and neck. And the reason why we have such a split community, country, if you will, is because of things like that. It's so challenging, even if you don't like certain things with the Republicans, to be a Democrat, when a lot of the time Democrats, from my perspective, have been the ones most popularly exhibiting that trollish behavior. Never really see that when it came to the Trump people. As much as people hate the guy, 
it's his supporters that get attacked by Democrats. If you've ever really looked at someone who's ever supported him in a comment section, Democrats jump all the fuck over that person. They'll shit on them. Everyone will just jump them. And it's worse if you're a celebrity or a wrestler or something and you support Trump in some way. Because then they'll want to cancel you and they'll start tweeting out to other people that they should cancel you. Just remember, though, that in order for that to happen, for someone to be doing that, they'd have to be a Democrat, right? That's the only way this makes any sense. Is if you're a fucking, so that's the point that I'm making, though. You don't ever really see the other way with look Biden, look a Biden lover. Oh, that stupid Biden lover. Fuck that Biden person or anything like that. And that's the point that I'm making. That Democrats have come off in the past four years very vicious to a point where they've even turned on their own. And even people within their own communities have looked at them and been like, ah, you're kind of gross. I've so, literally seen people who were against Trump and like almost decade long friendships just because somebody's supported Trump. Like, and that's what I mean. And what, so where, where, where the fuck is the logic? <laughs> I've never been, I've never cho- chosen or leaned in a political party. I always kind of go with whatever the belief and the values are. But this is the only time that it's not even about what I'm choosing. It's about what I'm not choosing. And that's what people don't understand about my choices. It it had it never had anything to do with me politically about Trump. It never had anything to do with me about Democrat or Republican. For me, it had to do with their integrity and staying away from Democrats. I wasn't pro-Republican or pro-Trump, just anti-Democrats. Because they come off like a fucking cult. Where did they act? Did they behave? The things that they've said, the things that I've seen visibly done that have been dishonest. If you just pay enough attention, you'll notice. Where it's not even a matter of who's on that side. I know, I just know that that side to me feels wrong with a lot of the stuff that was happening. And these, these are more examples. Like, all right, so now because this guy funded a Trump campaign, he can't even put down a fucking high school video without everyone jumping on it. Like, they couldn't wait. They couldn't even wait for it to be something political. You know what I mean? They just had to jump on that thing on another, on a, on a completely unrelated thread. And it's just sad. It's fucking nuts. Like, what was there to be gained? Like, did that make you feel good about yourself for two seconds? Like, I don't think that it's kind of funny. What once, once everything happened with the election, my first thought it actually made me laugh. I was like, "Wow, some of you guys are gonna lose your shit over the next four years because you're not gonna have anything to bitch about because that's all you've done the past four years is just whine and bitch and bitch and bitch and whine and cry and bitch like." It's fucking nuts all the while. Talking to put your little comments all you want. Chris Jericho's still going to do Chris Jericho's thing. They're not going to change anything. Your pointless comments are not going to stop a single thing. He's probably going to see it for three seconds and forget about it in two. Like, like that's for everybody, though. Like, has, has anything? Let's be honest, man. Has anything changed a single thing anytime that you've gone through an election, Dustin? Not shit. My life has gone exactly the same. From yeah, like, day like this to isn't going to affect Jericho. The, the only actual change us. has ever been the change I've made happen. Yeah, they're all just different puppets that are put into seats. At the end of the day, if you're asking our political opinion, whether or not I think there's going to be relevant, if you ask my opinion, I'm going to give it to you. But do I give a fuck? And whether or not I have an opinion are two completely different things. That's something, and that's a distinction I just want to take a moment and stop with you guys and just talk about that sometimes I don't think I give enough emphasis to. When you're talking to me, there's a big difference between me giving you my opinion on something and actually giving a fuck about the something I'm giving you my opinion on. I, in reality, don't give a single flying fuck 
one way or the other when it comes to the political stuff in the presidential campaign. You never see me tweet about it unless I think it's really funny. You never really see me excessively obsess about it or I'm, I'm live tweeting with things that are going on. I don't give a fuck, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't give you an opinion on it. I don't give a fuck about Lucha Underground, but if somebody asked me something about it, I'd have a discussion with them. Yeah. You know, and if Lucha Underground was coming back tomorrow and that person came to me, was like, ha, ah, motherfucker, Lucha Underground's coming back, man. It's like, I never, I'd, okay. I'd go, okay. I'd, I never said that. <laughs> my, I just, I gave my you my opinion that I thought that it didn't. We'll talk about it Monday. Like, yeah. I, I gave you my opinion that I didn't think that it worked. It's coming back. Am I supposed to somehow be butter? So it's kind of like, I don't really give a fuck who the president is. In my opinion, though, if you're asking me to analyze the situation and look at it, then the democratic wave looks very culty, very Scientology-esque, very culty, and very, very uh, fucking Charles Manson-y almost. I don't want to say that much. Not that bad. But almost. Fuck it, almost. Sometimes yes, man. Sometimes yes. When when this lady died, that judge, that, that Ginsburg, I, there were a few times she got sick and went into the hospital. And I legitimately thought that, uh, and that's when you really, I never thought about it until I reflected back on myself. But I legitimately remember myself and a few friends asking myself, like, if they were, like, on a weekend at Bernie's this. You know what I mean? Because they so badly wanted to have that seat that they didn't want that lady to pass. And not so much that they'd puppet her around, but that they just pretend that she wasn't gone, you know? And then when she would come back and recover, like, a few months later, I was like, oh, shit, she is alive. I thought you guys were fronting over there. I thought you guys were having a shh <laughs> situation. Because... And then when she actually passed and they had the whole thing with Trump, you saw how they had a tantrum, right? Oh, no. You can't fill that seat. So that's what made me nervous. Because it was like, shit, they really do behave that way. So, you know, when you guys are harassing people for their political beliefs and you're jumping on them, it's like you put it in your face. This is the reason. It's like you don't have to be pro-Trump to be anti-Democrat. The current Democrat, that doesn't mean the Democrats are always bad. I just see the current wave of shit just sucks. We talked on here about, you know, how they talk about their compassion and their beliefs and their hearts and shit. When they, whenever, whenever it's time to talk about business and politics and where the money's going and how we can raise minimum wage and what exactly is going to happen with the medical stuff, if they're going to keep that Obamacare, which was damaged in the beginning, if we're going to have all these talks, you know, all we hear about is their compassion, their integrity, and how they're going to rule with their hearts and shit. I don't want to hear, hear that about shit. Chris Jericho posted that high school picture. They go ham. Like None of us would have accepted this in anything that we enjoy. Think about it. Imagine if the well, come release date of the councils, where everyone wanted to know what the price was, or before come pre-order day, they wanted to know the next gen councils what the price was, and I told them not not to really worry about it. That it's more about what you believe, what's in your fucking heart, you know, and how passionately <laughs> you, you like, want to get this Xbox this Series dog. X and this PlayStation Five. You want numbers. You want to understand how much you need when you walk to the store to bring the fucking money with you. You don't want to hear about passion. And the and, and politics works a lot like that kind of stuff. When I, when we talk about a pay-per-view or anything like that, or when we talk about a game we're going to buy, what do we look at? We look at what comes with it. What's with the pre-order bundle? What happens if we buy the $99 gold edition? What are we getting on that one versus when we get the deluxe versus when we get the regulars? Worth the 60 or the 90? How much are we going to be using this? That's the kind of way that my brain works when I look at politics, and that's the way that your brain works. And if you are asking questions about what you get with a bundle, if you go to your Call of Duty bundle tonight when it launches at midnight, I believe the new Call of Duty comes out. Shout out to those of you that are going to jump on that. If you go for that $99 bundle and the only thing it says on the screen where you see the three bundles is very passionate, you would be really fucking skeptical. Very passionate content with a big gold yeah, star. Everything you've ever wanted. And a smiling heart. And then the silver one just says, just says, ah, uh, not so passionate content. <laughs> you know, like what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? You know, what are we talking about here? Tell me what I'm getting and then I'll tell you what I want, you know, and that's what scares me. When I look at our system currently, no one could tell me 
what the fuck the Democrats are going to do. All they could tell me is, is who they're happy to getting rid of. So now we got a bunch of people and we have no fucking idea how they're going to do any of these things because no one ever asked. The one person who did ask was The Rock. And they all talked about their fucking hearts. Is this real? Uh, but yeah, get back to me in four years because now the trolls have nothing to troll about. Oh, what are they going to do? Really, Keep reminding really every week? Like, now they have nothing to complain about. Like Some of y'all so some of y'all out there, and yeah, we know you're listening. Y'all don't understand how badly y'all need a Trump in office because y'all ain't got shit to talk about now because your lives ain't that interesting. If you go jump on a high school picture of Chris Jericho's fucking band. It's lucky that Wi-Fi has become more popular because otherwise be a lot of motherfuckers this season once they lose purpose hanging from Ethernet cords. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that story. Purpose. Now I remember. I see what you did there. <laughs> Like now they lost their per. What are they gonna complain about now? What's the next target gonna be? What's the next crosshair? They'll be buying in like a year because they ain't gonna have to chill to bitch about. Oh no! Nah, no matter what, and that's the beauty. When you commit to something, you'll always make excuses. Think about it. We've seen wrestling fans. We've seen TNA fans back in the day. When no matter how bad it got, they would always make an excuse for what was happening. This is gonna lead to a bigger storyline or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I've been there a couple of times myself. I'm telling you, man. TNA won the White House. You'll see. You'll see. No, no, no. Let's let, let's be real here, okay? Raw won the right house. Well, in current times, it would be. You'll see, though. Yeah. Like I said. Anyway. Iron Sheik, on the other hand, has a very interesting perspective on this whole thing because he decided oh, to tweet out amongst all the chaos and say, no matter who you are voting, this is all in caps. Obviously, Sheik only of caps. No matter who you are voting for, we can all agree that Hulk Hogan is worse than the outcome of this election. Are you fucking kidding me? Stop <laughs> lying to me. That's it's what he did. Shit. He takes another jab at Hogan. Just, he just took that opportunity. He just Jeez, decided let to it go, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Worse than Michael Jackson. It's 2020. Why are you still angry? Worse than Michael Jackson or even Michael Bolton. <laughs> God almighty. Our brick is oh, back. Man. Fuck his awesome. Make us humble. What happened, bro? My favorite part of that interview was with Hogan fucking was with uh, Howard Stern was just like, wait, you're gonna fuck his ass? And you saw the wheels start turning like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> that that was, most, that like, is she crazy? Like, I need I need to know. Cause yeah. I feel like the world could be ended tomorrow and it'd be like the end of the world still not as bad as Hulk Hogan. Like, what? Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Don't you ever let Iron She come to your funeral? Cause I swear to God, like he he gonna forget all about you and just start bitching about Hogan. Like motherfucker's yeah. worse than fucking um, fuck the guy in ECW was always bitching about Ric Flair, Shane Douglas. That's oh, Shane Douglas. Oh, wow, I forgot he existed. You reached there for Shane. Oh, dude, I had to reach back for that. Good God, I was never big on Shane Douglas. Look at like an Iranian Shane Douglas. Like, yo, relax. Like, it's okay. He ain't even thinking about you right now. Like, yeah, tell me about it. All right, well, in other news, WWE has fired more people. Oh my god, I couldn't believe one of the ones that was on this list. Yes. They fired Tony Schimmel. Announcer the Tony fuck? Schimmel is gone. If you guys don't remember which voice that is, kind of some people aren't attentive. That's the guy who's known for stuff like the rated R Superstar. Which is kind of funny because that just back you kinda of want to use that. You would think like of all the times to have You already got your John taken time. away. Like the other guy, what's his name? Is is, is Justin Roberts, right? Justin Roberts. He does John now, but he does it from Oxford. You guys are really gonna roll the dice on these guys? Yeah, y'all didn't think this one through. It's not like you have the Fink or, or Lillian anymore. 
they're fucking up, not for nothing, you know? Like, this is a big mistake. This is yet another one. (laughs) It's like they almost don't have an identity anymore. All of the things that made them seem different from other companies as the WWE are slowly bleeding out, and they're transitioning so many Everybody else has the different stuff now, and they're just bland. Yeah, they don't have, like, signature or coin stuff anymore. All all I'm saying is, full disclosure, I was maybe a quarter watching Raw, and I missed nothing. You know why? Because... About two hours and 45 minutes was the same shit from last week. He was there since 91. I wasn't born for another year before. And he was amongst 10 to 15 staffers that got released, according to what we're hearing that happened happened this past Friday. We're hearing that Derek Castleman, the director of venue merchandise and remote operations, was released from the company. And he was with them since the early 90s. So uh, they're still cutting costs. These are cost-cutting measures is what we're hearing about it. Cost-cutting messages that don't need to be cut whatsoever because there was which, no cost accuracy. Which is funny because re- recently Maria Canales spoke about all of the stuff as independent contractors that uh, that she has to deal with. And in regards to Joe Biden winning the election, that her their health care depends on it. Because she talked about how with WWE there was no benefits, no vacation time, no unemployment, no union, no child care, no retirement. And they pay for their own rental car, food, tolls. All expenses are paid for them, not reimbursed by WWE. And that's interesting because anything that you do can be reimbursed. But because of the way WWE has it situated, you can't. If you're a cam girl and you take pictures of yourself, you can write that shit off on your taxes. That's how much our tax write-off system works. You can write off the outfits that you use come tax season for business. Think about this. And all of this stuff can't be dealt with. You can write off expenses for any small business, ma and pa shops, just about anything. Even Jericho spoke recently about how uh, Tony Khan handles AEW more like the way he handles uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They they have the, a big bus. They load them all up. They bring them all. They give them all the expenses. They're all dealt with together. Like since they already have that formula together for football. It's used for traveling and for having the guys all together and everything. No, whereas in WWE, you do have to pay and book your own expenses in your own hotels and find the flights to connect and what car you're going to rent and shit. When you're in a, there's a reason they have ride along in WWE. Yeah, yeah, because because <laughs> somebody always needs to. You couldn't pull that shit in freaking AEW. You know why? Because everybody's riding the same fucking car. Yeah, so there is a big expense thing there going on, and uh. Their money is going to probably be, if 2020 is not going to be their most successful year financially, then 2021 is going to be great. Because uh, the drug maker Pfizer, they made an announcement uh, a couple of days ago. And they basically said that they have data from the coronavirus vaccine that they were working on. And it is more than 90% effective. Now, why does it matter that we now for certain have a vaccine that is 90% effective on people. Well, I mean, obviously that's good news overall. That puts a, that that pretty much puts us in on the direction we need to go to get out of the situation that we're in entirely. But the most important thing is that according to CNN, WWE's stock shot up 8.34% because a vaccine means people get to be around each other again and they have big events right at the helm. 90% effective vaccine that means it mainly fucking works (laughs) you know so that's the reason why uh you have this going on and uh yeah so now their money is worth more money write it down their money is worth more money 
Now it's whose money is the most valuable. You whose money hope- are you willing to take it? Yeah. But there is some bad news for those of you that are just foaming at the mouth for something to happen with them. Because apparently WWE does have to leave the Thunderdome because the Orlando Magic are going to need that Amway Center. That's right. Basketball. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, they don't really know where they're going to go next. They're thinking of places in Illinois, Florida, Texas. There's a bunch of places, but they don't exactly know exactly what's going to happen. Thankfully, though, with the 90% vaccine and the risen stock, something's going to come through for them, right? Yeah. It always does. For some reason, it always does. God has a weird sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But WWE has a great sense of strategy because you know what has come out recently, according to Fightful? They have said, God. and this is common sense, uh, WWE has just been basically contacting people who show up on AEW Dark. Because remember, <laughs> yeah, those aren't contracted people. They like, you remember the AEW's great philosophy. They like to give everybody a chance, all these indie guys. So WWE, and this is what I've gathered from the story. This is my paraphrasing of different stories I've read. From what I'm seeing, it looks to me like they basically sit at home and watch AEW Dark and then scout that talent. It's almost like they have another developmental system at their feet by there being an AEW Dark. What better, what more could you have? You don't have to pay for the talent. You don't have to train the talent. You don't have to fly them in. You have to do, literally, you could just go on YouTube. And here's all this talent with no contracts. And you could just fucking... And then they have their Twitters on the bottom. You just tweet to them. So that's what they've been doing. We're hearing they were looking for a guy called Anthony Bowen that was on there. Um, They signed Benjamin Carter, which apparently someone AEW wanted. Uh, so they're, they're definitely doing that. There was a, a woman named Al- Elena Black that was on AEW Dark recently. That works for Warrior Wrestling. They scouted her. Lacey Ryan... And was also someone who was on Impact Wrestling. So it sounds like WWE watches a lot of wrestling. And when they got the resources and the money to make it happen, who's to stop them? They could just keep doing it. Don't you think? Saves money and then it's like, oh, God, we got to release you. But I never made my TV, but we got to release you. It's bad. It's almost like I've said before. Like, if you're a wrestler out there and you want to be the best, don't go there. No, please don't. Like but they you're, do... you're, you're, you're gonna get paid to sit at home and not be anywhere near the best mm-hmm. exactly because yeah, like I, I get the money but at the same time you gotta have some kind of goal in this business and being in the dark matches on nxt every other month is not the goal all right well in other news our buddy leo rush he spoke to wrestling inc and he said that uh he said to be on the lookout for big projects that are going to come in the future, as well as a new upcoming film that he's going to be a part of called Legend of the White Dragon, which he's pretty excited about. And he said that it's actually a Power Rangers movie, so it's Kung Fu times 100, and they're still casting, and he's part of the cast, and they haven't gotten who's going to be who yet, but he's going to be in the movie, and there's a chance he could be a Power Ranger. So for anyone who doesn't know Legend of the Dragon, I've seen the trailer. I believe it was a Patreon um, or something on YouTube. I think that Johnny Young Bosk and uh, Jason David Frank did it together. It was almost, it had like a Power Rangers vibe to it, but it wasn't really Power Rangers. And they did like this cool trailer. And at the end, they came out and talked about how they really hyped to get this thing started. So I guess he's going to be one of the characters in that. I'm sure you guys have seen it. If you haven't, just look up the Legend of the Dragon trailer. Hey, props to him now. How they make a move? They ain't slowed down not a single bit. No, not at all. Even even with yeah, I, I follow him on uh, social media. Like every time I see this dude, there's something new going on. He should be proud because at the end of the day, they would have wanted his Power Ranger money. 
Exactly. They probably would. They probably they 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 would have tried to copyright his hair color. They would have been at the command center, knocking on Zordon's door. I think about that. They they they, I think they would try to take ownership of his ownership of his teeth right now. Yeah, they were all up in his shit. And then they would have given him a musical cruiserweight title run as a freaking consolation prize. Yeah, really. All right, well, let's see if there's any other news before we jump into reviewing some of the stuff of the week. Is there any other stories you've heard or you wanted to talk about? I'm looking through my program here. Nothing to stand out is really. It's, uh, those are kind of actually a lot of the ones that I've seen this week. True, so, I mean, I mean, also, so I know we talked about it. It was Chris Jericho's birthday today, uh, yesterday. Happy birthday, Kazuchika Okada. So, yeah, all-time cool. greats back-to-back. We talked about, uh, well, nothing I want to mention. According to Fightful, they said the reason Mercedes Martinez was removed from the freaking retribution angle is because uh, she asked for it. She didn't want to be a part of it anymore. She didn't want to be a part of shit. So, she asked for it just before they... They said that uh, she extended her desire to no longer be a part of the angle before they all sign new contracts. That's that's really good wording, right? She extended her desire... To no longer be part of this, you know that's a very crazy way to say she wanted to get the fuck out of there desperately. Yeah, she 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 didn't want to have her stock drop about nine thousand years like everybody else's. Yeah, can't blame her, man. Can't blame her at all. She 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 didn't want to be forced to distract somebody by having a seizure in the middle of a match. Nope. Okay, let's talk about the weeklies a little bit, right? We got to do We're gonna go into the Wednesday night wars first because that's always like a good starting point. We're gonna start off with NXT. Go to NXT. So what are we talking about here from NXT? Uh we had Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai with a distraction from Mercal. Uh Kai went over uh Ember. But did she use TJP's detonation kick? She uh it's a it's a variation of it she's been using called uh the GTK. Got she doesn't that. go to it very often, but every time she does, like, yeah, I did like the spot where Amber holds up that uh, she 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 hits the deadlift power bomb, but she holds up her own injured arm with her good arm in order to be able to achieve it to power bomb Dakota Kai. Thought that was cool. That girl is strong, like, really brutal suicide dives to the outside. Solid stuff. Solid stuff. Oh yeah. Um, we had Ever Rise against Drake Maverick and Killian Dane. Uh and then uh. It turned out that the kings of NXT, is that what they call themselves now? Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, uh, Lork, Lorkin, and Birch? Yeah, that's what, that's what it looks like the name is. Yeah, so they wind up beating up both teams, and they, uh, you know, Pete Dunn winds up uh, kicking Killian Dane's head in a door. Like, they're outside, they're brawling, the, the brawl bleeds to the outside, and he puts his head in the door, and he winds up, like, uh, I guess, crushing his head? Is that what they did? Pretty much. Damn. Yeah, like, all, like, in the ring, uh, they cut a promo, basically, paying trip. As they put it to uh, the undisputed era, they were originally going to hang up a flag in the rafters like you were a retired basketball player, but uh, they burned it in a trash can. Hmm. And one thing I liked is uh, Dunn brought up the fact that Kyle O'Reilly made the mistake of trusting him, just like he made the mistake of trusting Roderick Strong when uh, they were tag partners in the Dusty Classic. So it's kind of almost like a karma comes back around type thing. Yeah. You had Kushida against Cameron Grimes. What were your thoughts on this? This was... Uh... Kushida goes over here. Oh with, yeah, of course. I overboard <sighs> lock with Grimes tapping out. Grimes saw the ref that was a zombie last week and lost his shit. Apparently, and it's like what? Yeah, I don't know. Are, are we still doing this? Like, I don't know. 
Shanti Blackheart. Shanti Black. Well, before, before we get to Shanti, uh, or Shanti, uh, Johnny Gargano was playing. What the fuck was he playing? Was that Candyland or something? That he was playing I think with? it was. Uh, with, a, with, a, with the masked person who was supposed to be the girl that has COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you had to throw that in there. Oh, you ain't shit. Yeah, I guess well, she's missing. What am I supposed to believe? You know, yeah. <laughs> we ain't gonna sit there and acknowledge that shit like it's real. <laughs> we know why she ain't there. Oh uh, yeah. So uh, you had Sh- Shotzi Blackheart who gets beat up by Tony Storm in her match because she's worried about Candace fucking up her tank because Candace is like on camera with her tank in the background. Yeah, like, they had a pretty back and forth one until. Candace came up there and drugged that tank down the fucking street, and Shotzi went ape shit. <laughs> I was happy though. That, I'm not gonna lie. That girl had a holy roll of a breakdown. I was so happy. I wish she had another one just so we could run that shit over to. Oh god. See, I can already tell they're building that way. That's gonna come back to bite uh, Candace. I hope not. I hope it's just that Vince hates the tank. No, of course it's not. It's it's never that simple. Shotzi. Shotzi! Wait, Shotzi! Shotzi! Shotzi, wait! Shotzi, wait! Why? Why did she wait? Shotzi, where are you going? Shotzi! Is it not there? Like, they didn't even leave the pieces? It's like strewn out all over the road. I don't see it, though. Shotzi, what's your reaction to what Candice LeRae just did to your tank? <laughs> you know what's so bad part? What makes me funny? What makes this funny to me isn't even Shotzi. Oh man! First of all, I love her reaction to that because we, as despite how we feel about that fucking tank, that girl loves that thing. So amazing acting. But um, the fuck kind of interviewer is chasing her out of the building while she is hyperventilating in tears and goes, "What's your reaction?" What I love is her screaming, wait, wait. Like, let's say she did wait. Like, if she would have stopped and turned around and wait, what would you have said? Right? Like, what? No, you know what she would have She would have asked her, what's her reaction? What's your reaction to, her, to us running out to, here? To her running over the tank. tank and you bursting into tears in the middle of the fucking ring. What kind of thing? Robert Stone tweeted, he said, uh, just so parts of Shotzi's tank on eBay. Oh, that's fucked up. Oh, that's- Jaya, Jaya Lee wants to wrestle Raquel Gonzalez next week because she's uh, been dishonored once again. I think she's been dishonored more by WWE than uh-huh. anyone else when they took her out of a kickboxing thing. Just saying. Just saying. Ain't throwing no shade, but let's we throw shade. Like, we are throwing shade. You guys fucking dishonored her. I'm just pointing it out. Don't dishonor her if you don't want me to fucking point it out. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, what else? What else? What else? We had uh, after that, Velveteen Dream against Tommaso Ciampa in a barn burner of a fight. Mm-hmm. It's in a Willow's Bell fairy tale ending combination for the three. Mm-hmm. With uh, Tommaso Ciampa going over, good old Blackheart gets it again, mm-hmm. and no fire Velveteen Dream marks. No, nobody was thinking about y'all. But once the cameras went off, the show did not end because oh, Champa had a very passionate speech to give, which should have been part of it, but for some reason wasn't. But it will be on here. 2020 has been a year that none of us are ever going to forget. None of you, 
None of the guys in the back, none of the camera crew, none of the road crew. Guys, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I never knew just how damn valuable each and every one of you were to professional wrestling. You are the superstars. And when we say we are NXT, it's literally because of the passion that I feel from each and every one of you in this crowd today. We missed it month after month facing Johnny Gargano in an empty building. We missed your passion facing Karrion Cross during his insane debut with the crazy music. We missed your passion. Listen guys, 2020 is weird. This entire year is strange. Hate is consuming this country and this world. And I look out to each and every one of you, and all I feel is love. It's gonna start as silly as it sounds, as dumb as it may sound to people outside of our bubble, outside of our circle, outside of our family. We know it to be true. This is how it starts. It starts with something like professional wrestling to bring different cultures, communities, people of different ages, races, religions, all in one building, chanting the same thing with passion, with love. You boo who you want, you cheer for who you want. Am I, I don't give a damn. I am an NXT superstar, and the reason I can say it is because I look out at each and every one of you, and you make it possible. Guys, girls, please continue to come out. It's only going to grow. It's only going to get better. Sooner than later, we're going to be removing the masks. Sooner than later, we're going to be filling up arenas all around the world again. Sooner than later, we're going to share our art form on the biggest and grandest stages that this world has ever seen. And the best part, when it happens, when it happens, we know, we know without a shadow of doubt in our beings that you all are going to bring this same passion tenfold. You all are going to make NXT and professional wrestling greater than it ever has been before. So when I say it tonight, I'm saying it myself, for Vic, for Wade, for Alicia, for Tucker, for everybody in the back. When we say we are NXT, we mean it. So together, each and every one of you, say it loud. Say it proud, because we are That was cool. That was awesome. Okay, very, very passionate, Tampa. It's good to hear somebody talking about uh, shit going back to normal, right? I'm going to shit on social right. media, by the way, fellas. It, like shit that they're actually making some effort to actually try to change themselves. Not just tweeting and shit. We'll see. We'll see. Anything else relevant on NXT? Or are we? That was pretty much the bulk of it. That was, uh, yeah, that was NXT in a nutshell. All right. AEW Dynamite. Now, now, anything that stands out to you? Because we're going to be talking about uh, full gear. Yeah, and this was uh, the Full Gear Go Home show. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was asking you. Like, uh, thoughts on this? I know we had MJF and Wardlow against Sammy Guevara and Ortiz, which we talked about last week. I thought it was a little bit weird that it was going to be Ortiz without Santana. 
because they sort of split the people that were cool with MJF being in the people that are not cool. Yeah, it seems like it's like they're at odds about it. Not enough to feud, but just like it's something where they have different opinions. Which right. you know, in this day and age, that's like madness to have different opinions and not want to strangle each other. But, eh. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, this match, uh, MJF, uh, I could actually, Matt, I don't know what it is <laughs> about fucking Serpentico. Everybody Serpentico? who sneak attacks them, Serpentico. Yeah. Everybody who likes to sneak attack somebody dresses up like this fucker. You ever notice that? Yeah, like how come that's the default fucking... He's like the conquistador of this generation. Nope. (laughs) Like how the fuck is that a person that you dress up as? You know, but yeah, you're right. It was Jericho and then thanks to that, uh, MJF hits Ortiz with the uh, assault of the earth. Because I think what it is is when you look at him, you're not paying attention to the body. You're just looking at the mask. That mask draws so much attention. My bang energy here. Our sponsor. Yeah. No, we're not sponsored. I just chose it. <laughs> yeah, like he, uh, yeah, man, how he snuck up on me. I thought about it. And I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this happen before. <laughs> like at this point, y'all need to, be, you don't need to start, you don't need to start watching out for him or anybody else in the crowd. Start checking that motherfucker. Like, is this you? So I'm Jeff and Wardlow wind up going over. Uh, what else do we have happen? We have um, uh, right, right after the match ended, MJF tackled Jericho because Jericho basically called him soft uh-huh. and. MGF made it clear, like, nah, not today's care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Miro uh, against Trent. Pretty much the whole stable's out there. Penelope was out there. Kip Sabin, Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy. Whole band was there. Mm-hmm. I don't really care too much about anything that was happening with this, to be completely honest with you. Like, they did a terrible job with Miro. I think the whole thing comes off cartoon. I used to like the super bad team uh, when it had this guy in it. Uh, gothic guy, British. Oh, uh, Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc, right? Who resigned or whatever? Now I was like, Miro doesn't fit the mold here. I get what they're going for; it just doesn't really work for me. Miro does go over here though, um, because Trent, game, Trent goes for a springboard and then he winds up slipping, and uh, Miro gets him in the uh, fucking accolade. Uh, anything else relevant, man? Because I want to talk about everything in Dynamite. What stands out to you? I'm a Young Bucks face private party. Yeah, but that was pretty much a. Uh, actually, uh, it was um. Yeah, we had the Young Bucks private party match, which uh, I believe uh Bucks went over in that one, kind of building towards full gear. The highlight: Eddie Kingston and John Moxley's promo. Yeah, this shit was, was bone chilling. Yeah, they have really cool promo. Yeah, they um Eddie and, and pretty the much brings up between the two of them, you know. They brought up everything, even down to what I really like about this is two things that happen. When Moxley mentions the promise that he made to Eddie's mom, you see Eddie like rile up, like, don't bring her into this. And what he did really here, it was a really cool little attention to detail. He um turns his back to Moxley and you can see a look on his face. And he's trying not to cry because he brings up the fact that Moxley's looked out for him. All these years, uh, he made promises to his mom to basically look out for him. And now, at full gear, Eddie's not going to be able to live up to this promise of get, bringing home the AEW World Championship. Because Eddie said that's why she doesn't have grandchildren. That's why she doesn't have a daughter-in-law. Because it's for this. So this really straight up came off as like two old friends who this promise basically had them virtually at odds now. Yeah, and it definitely did help that they had the old footage there. Oh yeah, because these guys go way back. Like that's a shoot when it comes to this. Yeah. 
Nyla Rose fights Red Velvet. I don't even know who the hell that was, but she was with Brandy. That's Mini Brandy. Nyla Rose goes over. Yeah, that's a that's a girl Brandy's been mentoring, quote unquote, on Dark. How come Cody Rhodes hangs out with the Gun Club now? This was like a one time thing. I don't know why they were here. Yeah, it's just really weird. Anyway, it wasn't I mean, a one time hey, thing. Got, Austin Gun got a pin on freaking. Uh, that's the thing. It on, wasn't a one time so, thing. We're gonna get into that for the pay per view. But uh, yeah, Cody and the Gun oh, Club. Oh yeah, yeah right. Anyway, yeah, let's just get straight into the paper because I know that's the thing that everybody wants to talk about here. Um, overall, this starts with, uh, they had a few things here. They're getting into, uh, AEW's getting into the bad habits with their content that WWE has. I hate to be critical off the bat, but they had a red carpet on YouTube. And it was mainly just what you would expect. Tony Schiavone, and I don't even remember who the fuck, just talking. And them running the clips. The problem is that the clips that they ran on the red carpet were the exact clips that they ran on the buy-in that came immediately afterwards, which were the exact clips that they ran before each match. And because yeah. they're AEW and I'm used to them having a lot of content, I, I I just naively had the red carpet and all that other stuff on, you know? Like, I had a long, stressful day, so I watched the red carpet, I watched the buy-in, then I kind of fell asleep. I wound up catching the pay-per-view later on. I just remember when I caught the paper, it was like, Jesus, this is the third time I'm seeing all these fucking videos of the same video. You <laughs> right. you didn't need the, the, what was the red carpet for that? Like nothing new happened. You can just watch the paper and you'd be fine. Aside from the one match. Yeah. I kept asking, say, like, did we see this? Because <laughs> like, I would forget how it would start because like sometimes they would start their, their video packages first as like a conversation and then suddenly you don't realize, oh, video package. And I was like, wait, we saw this. And I was like, it was just weird. Really weird. Happened again. They were cool, though. I mean, Darby Allen has a crazy backstory about how his uncle picked him up drunk driving and got into a car accident. And he survived, but his uncle didn't. And the reason he paints his face is because he's half dead on the inside. That's some dark shit. Wait, wait, like I told you before, uh, he hasn't been in the chat room in a long time. My buddy Fletch Malone, he knows Darby. Like, that's like virtually Darby. Yeah. And it's I Dar- have- like Darby Allen is just Darby without the face. Right, right. And you have Alex Alejandre, right? Is he a heel announcer now? Because he seemed to be siding with the heels there and he was hanging out with uh, the Dark Order. They even went as far as they all had bottled drinks that they were drinking (laughs) that were purple. It was purple Kool-Aid. They were basically saying that Alex Alejandre is drinking Dark Order's Kool-Aid. They literally had him there drinking the fucking Kool-Aid. I I guess he's a heel announcer. I knew what they were going for. Unbelievable. Really strange. Anyway, let's get into some of these matches. I'm just giving you guys an overall setting of what, what led into this. Uh, we have the, uh, the buy-in match was the NWA World Women's Title Match. Serena Deeb defending against Allison K. Allison K making her first appearance in AEW. Yes, finished being the Serenity Lock, a single leg crab. And then after what's done, the Rosa comes and she stakes her claim for the NWA Women's Title. Uh, as far as the match goes, I will say Serena is in the best shape of her life. She um, looks fantastic. Very solid stuff. Deep hits this middle rope hanging neck breaker that looks really good. Uh, Allison K actually, she hits Stone Cold's old finisher, the stun gun, into a big boot. Do you catch that? Does she always do yeah. that? I don't know much about Allison K. I don't watch TNA. Um, but, uh, I've seen her do it only maybe a handful of times. So it's a move I know it's in her arsenal. I just don't, she does it so rarely. I don't expect to ever see it. Yeah, Deep had a good octopus lock. Uh, Allison K with a cool sit out power bomb. Yeah. And uh, uh, K went up for her AK forty seven finisher, but that was yeah, this that, match was all over the place. Allison K's AK forty seven, glad you brought that up. Isn't that just Bobby Lashley's shitty version of the Dominator? Yeah, except she can actually do 
stuff and they don't just crack claim. No, but that Dominator sucks. They shouldn't give her that. That's a shit move. Yeah, see, but like, you know, the reason I the reason I tolerate with her is because they don't try to tell it like, oh, it's the Dominator. No, it's not the Dominator. It's fucking AK forty seven. I don't care I think what you call that, it. That's the only reason it bothers me with Lashley. They try to literally tell me it's another move. Like, I haven't seen that shit. But it's ugly, whatever it is. It's not a good variation. I know that's not her main one. That's not like her, like, I guess you don't call it high level finisher. That's like the secondary one. Yeah. That's like that one you don't see that often. Like, they pull it out every now and then. But you're also deep with the dragon screwing the ropes into sort of like an, imp- an implant buster. Yeah, I'm over to that. Was really I good. Good a lot of stuff. people have been using that variation of the dragon screw now. Yeah, that's become a thing. Well, I've been watching a lot of Japanese wrestling. <laughs> Everybody's watching. Everybody's G1. Yeah, why is Don Callis on commentary for this match? Oh, this next one because uh, he actually it's actually a shoot that he and Kenny are uh very close. So. Right, right. I guess, and he's part of Impact, right? Yeah, he's um he's not only on Impact's commentary TV, but on commentary team. But I know he mentioned. The other role he has with Impact. Yeah. Anyway, we get the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Final. Kenny Omega. By the way, I want to say that NWA World Women's Match, good match. Every match, I'm not going to go into it, but good match. I just want to give my opinion that good match. But yeah, Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, which finished being Omega. Uh, he hits the ropes. He ducks the buckshot lariat. V-trigger into a very nasty, very nasty one-winged angel. Yeah, what I like about that um that one winged angel is not only did Paige fight it, but I don't know if you caught it, but there was a few times, maybe it happened three or four times, where Omega got a hold of Paige. But he just gave up. Yes. Yeah. Okay, trigger avoided. Standing switch. German suplex. Watch out! Whoa! That's the second shot in about thirty seconds. Hangman Kenny. lands on his feet once again. Discus nice. elbow from. Omega! Snap! They beat the shit out of each other. Maybe not! It could be over right here, Omega! Page has him up! Jedi! Covers one! Two! No! No false finish there. I guess it was a false finish clip that they put up. Yeah, I thought he put it away with that. <laughs> yeah. Good what stuff. I love about that one winged angel is uh it wasn't like usual ones where you saw Paige fighting it and then he gets out. Every time you would grab his head, he'd pull him a little bit further and a little bit further until he hooked it in and just drove him home. Yeah. Really solid stuff there. And yeah, finally Kenny, Kenny Omega's place. finally be, being the Kenny Omega that we need. Yeah. You we know? got the cleaner back. Yeah, welcome back, cleaner Omega. Yeah, this was a war though. This this match even as high as expectations as I had, it still exceeded it. Yeah, very solid stuff. Omega hitting that barricade salt. He kind of does a moonsault. Uh, not a hurricane run a JR. You know, trust me. Like, he, he moonsaulted off of the barricade. It would be amazing. He'd be fucking Kalisto. Like, you know how someone, you, like, just the, the physics of him being able to go off of the barricade into a hurricane run. <laughs> it was a fucking, <laughs> it was a moonsault. Anyway, um, an Omega fer- fireman carry that Spotty does with, like, a fireman carry into, like, a moonsault. Yeah. Yeah, the, the you can't escape. And then he stumbled though on the left leg. You caught that? Yeah, rare slip up by Omega. Yeah, Hangman uh, hits the springboard clothesline, and he hits Omega outside the ropes, and Omega actually flips inside out. I thought that looked cool. Yeah, I love. Um, he took two attempts, but he um hit the rise of the Terminator. To- okay, so that was. Yeah, that's a great dive. Love that. That's a beautiful move. Yeah, and then Paige, Paige with his power bombs. He first he has a pop up power bomb on Omega on the outside, and then the sit out one on the inside. 
Um, and then Omega tops that with his version, essentially the Tiger Driver 98, which was really solid stuff. Uh, overall, cool stuff. Very good. I'm glad that yeah. Omega got that win. You know, Paige is still someone who's going to be a contender in the future. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't go away quietly in this one. No, he did not go quietly into the night. Like that one John Cena promo. I'm going to do not go quietly uh-huh. into the night. This motherfucker's always Cena promos in 2028 to the bitch. Orange Cassidy versus John Silver is the next singles matchup, I believe. Right? I didn't skip anything, did I? Hopefully, yep, I didn't skip that anything. was next. That was it. Okay, good. Finish with Silver. He tries to use Brody Lee's discus clothesline, but Cassidy ducks it and he comes back with um the orange pus punch into the beach break. And uh and then the belly to back pile driver. Now uh something dawned upon me when he hit that beat break move, Orange Cassidy, and it made me look him up because it was like, why does this guy look familiar to me? I don't know if anybody realized it. I kind of feel stupid if, if others did and I didn't. But this guy used to be Fire Ant in Chikara. <laughs> what the fuck? Did you guys remember Fire Ant in Chikara? I don't know if I remember Fire Ant. He, I that remember him name as sounds Fire familiar. Ant. Just something about the way Cassidy was wrestling today. It was like the 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 whole that whole end sequence that we just talked about is what made me feel like where what who is that <laughs> and i was like why does that feel familiar when i look him he used to be fire ant he was a guy in chicago called fire ant go look him up google him google image him. That's amazing shit what's up to trigger our memory like that yeah very interesting that he became orange cassidy go look him up at fire ant it'll, it'll blow your mind <laughs> I kind of want to uh, do it now. Wait, you know what? Fuck, fuck it. We're about to get a live reaction to this bitch. Yeah, Let me... he was fucking violent. Let me see. I'm surprised. I should have. I should have grabbed. God, that. It, I, I didn't it, think about it. it, when it ooh, okay, wait a minute. Let me see. Let me see. Come on. Damn it. We were making good time too. And now we got. We're gonna stretch it off a fire ant. Because it's gonna happen. Oh my god. <laughs> I see it. I can't Holy believe it. Shit. Wow. I'm gonna see if I can find a match or something. That is nuts. See, I didn't come out here prepared. Sometimes, so, 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 some, sometimes fun shit and stuff you don't prepare for. Well, like I said, something made me think that move set that he did at the end, the the fucking beach break or whatever. It's like a hell of a transition between characters, isn't it? You fucking telling me? <laughs> <laughs> I had to think for a minute when I saw this. Motherfucker went from Fire Ant and Chikara to fucking Orange Cassidy. Okay, let me see. I found a match on here where he's where he's wrestling Chuck Taylor. Oh, Jesus Christ, that is obnoxious. Sorry. Bear with me, guys. Trying to get to the match. Do it live. Yeah, these guys are dying to see Fire Ant. Okay, this is what they've been waiting for. They want to hear shit about G1, nothing like that. These fuckers came from Fire Ant. We got your Fire Ant needs. The curtain. Participants need to be in the ring so referee John Barber can officially start the match. How there funny we go. Is that, Here right? we go. Officially underway and a two and a half count already. That would have been contesting uh, the great Exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's going to be a tough one to break right for a second. Cassidy, yeah. right? That's tough. Take that, King Kong Bunny Dusty Jones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, anyway. 
funny. Yeah. Anyway, so I let's get into this match a little bit here. So as we talked about, uh, you know, Silver fucks up trying to be a Brody Lee and he isn't. Um, Silver tears the pockets off of Cassidy so that he won't use pockets anymore. <laughs> that shit was crazy. You know, you know what, man? I gotta say the the AEW Dark Order is more cartoony with John Silver at the helm, but it actually might work better. Like if they become like a parody of what the Dark Order should be, it's almost like John Silver. That's the vibe I've been kind of getting. Like he he himself is a good look. He has a good look to him, and he's a good worker. He's the only one that stands out. The rest of them literally look like putties. And now that he's like cartoony, and they sort of become like a joke. Even more on the being the elite, they're like just straight up cartoony on there. But like even you know like having this group, let it be that. Don't put Brody Lee back in that shit. You know what I feel like? I feel like the reason Brody fits though is like it's like the rowdy class, and then the teacher shows up. Like it's all fun and games, and then fucking Brody shows up, and it's like oh fuck. I guess, I guess. Maybe they could go for that. But it works without him, too. That's something yeah. that's there. That That's the good thing about it. It's like, it works either way so far from what I've been seeing. Yeah, like, they were able to get it over for what it is. Yeah. Uh, Cassidy also, he did good in not overdoing the pockets bullshit. He, he was using it more like a taunt. Like, whenever he would sort of, like, use the way Silver would use his fakes and shit, where it's kind of like he would do it. But then whenever this guy would drop his guard or whenever he was vulnerable, uh, John Silver, he would then actually hit a few moves. Yeah, like, you guys did very well in this match like this. Yeah. Silver has really good footwork. I also like his spin doctor. That looked cool. I didn't realize what he was doing. He, it's, it's like a rever- it's like a torture rack F5. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But then again, it has like that F10 spin to it. So, you know, the fact that he gorilla pressed him with one arm, though, that is nuts. This company saved their best stuff for the pay-per-view clearly because it didn't feel like a dynamite. This was really well done. Yeah, they build, they they get the groundwork going, and then they go ham on the pay-per-views. Yeah. So, EWTNT title match, Cody Rhodes defending, being accompanied by Arn Anderson against Darby Allen, which, by the way, WWE dropped their claim to the, the name Cody Rhodes. In exchange, he agreed to abandon trademarks for Slambury and uh, the, t- the match beyond, and he had already abandoned the trademarks of uh, Bunkhouse, Stampede, and Super Brawl and Battle Bowl. This past October 30th, the day before Halloween. And I guess it's a good thing that he traded all of these pay-per-views names for uh, Cody Rhodes. Because I'm starting to realize that in AEW, the name Cody Rhodes is apparently going to be the only fucking title he'll be able to keep. Because uh, Cody Rhodes goes for a pump kick into a crossroads and Darby reverses and it goes into a pinning combination that Darby wins. Would you look at that shit? So I know you're against this, but I'm going to tell you why this worked. Oh my God. I can't believe there, you're gonna, but go ahead. There are three different stories being told in this match. One, Cody did something Cody usually doesn't do, which was go against uh he seemed not as much going against uh Arn Anderson's game plan, but at a certain point in the match he started to abandon it. Because right. he started to get a little bit more show off. You could see Arn on the outside getting visibly frustrated with him. And the reason being is story number two. We looked through AEW's history. Darby's never beaten Cody. They had a draw in their first match, and then Cody outright beat him in the second one. So the whole match, Darby is basically being allowed to hang around in a sense because Cody's going in like, okay, this guy clearly can't beat me. Okay. He's challenged for the world title twice, can't do it. He's challenged for this championship, can't do it. So there's no real need for me to rush into finishing this off. But here's the problem with that. If you let Darby Allen hang around, Darby will catch you. 
Darby hung around just long enough to catch him. And it came back and bit him because through everything he did, I mean, Cody has actually made some pretty air, pretty huge errors in this match. At one point, um, he hit a top rope freaking avalanche crossroads, but mm-hmm. didn't take the extra second to drag Darby away from the rope. So Darby was able to get a rope break. And, and here's the thing. Because I want to touch on what you said about your first thing about Cody Rhodes and him going against Arn Anderson's plan. Cody, at one point, he's daunting Darby with like push-ups mid-match, and and Anderson's like, "What are you doing? Stop it! Stop doing that shit!" You you know I've been a Cody Rhodes supporter since like the early days. Yeah. However, current Cody Rhodes has a weird combination of character traits for his gimmick. He's honorable and celebrated, yet does dumb shit and is undisciplined and needs guidance. He's humble and respectful, yet he's cocky and it's it's like they're not sure or he's not sure what the Cody Rhodes character is. Like at one point he fucking bites Darby. You know what I mean? So then but then later on he kneels before him and presents him the title. It's just this weird mesh of contrast in Cody Rhodes. And it doesn't work because if you're trying to be like a character who's like a a tween or a shade of gray or something, there's still almost like a code that you follow in that. And it's just weird how sometimes Cody just goes full dick. You know what I mean? And it's just a strange. It's I I don't know. It doesn't work to me though. You know, so I I don't know. Like I I found the entire thing disappointing as far as that goes. After the match, also. Uh, Taz comes out with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I don't know why, you know, but yeah, they're attacking. They, they, they made this thing on AEW where it's like, if we don't get a match, we're going to run. But they're attacking, right? And then the thing about them attacking is where the fuck was the Rhodes family? This guy comes out with like 12 people, two dogs, a wolf, a cat, a parrot, some snakes. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know what I mean? that. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker comes out and his intro at this point is literally Prince Cody. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? Like, where you fucking come through there? Where the fuck was that entourage? He comes to the ring kind of like a John Jones would now at this point or an Anderson Silva. And yes, the fucking son of a guns were there too. Billy Gunn and son or whatever the fuck they're, you call they're part of the they're, Nightmare Not family. a part of the Nightmare family too. I guess you gotta give him something to do shit. It's they just so weird to me. The, yeah, have to give him something to do. How about rescue fucking Cody? <laughs> That's Wait, something you, you should do. No one came out for the. Where the fuck was the Roach family? Oh God! And then but they they, they go as far as they're gonna break Darby's arm inside of the car because he comes in in the car that basically says, "I forget what did he write on the car again." No. Yeah, um, it, it was face of TNA. The, the face whole of thing TNT, was, right, uh, right, because he uh, yeah, 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 because the whole thing was last week. I uh, was all uh, the the go home show. Cody cut a promo on Darby, basically saying the fact that the network didn't want Darby to be champion because he was too dangerous too reckless pretty much because he's already allen right so and Cody said, went as far as to wrestle him to make them know like hey this guy is good for AEW. yeah but he's not the face and then he went to finally wrote face of tnt on his car which then they're these guys brian cage and ricky star they're gonna break darby's arm in the car and apparently will hobbs can get from his fucking house to save this guy faster than the rose family can get from backstage because will hobbs wasn't booked for for full gear but will hop saw this shit happening at home that's what i'm visualizing in my mind's eye will hop sitting at home with the remote legs up and shit <laughs> is, all right i gotta go fuck <laughs> swings the door and his wife's like honey where are you going he runs down the steps i don't know why i visualize him on the I'm second floor there, his car's out in front he <laughs> you know because no one came will hop thank god for will thank you will hobbs you're always there when yeah, we well, need I mean, you uh, uh, 
I, I look at it like this. Will Hobbs did Will Hobbs' boy didn't get beat by Darby Allen. So he, he's always there when we need him. I never I never like, more more sincerely or or heartfeltly meant when I said my man because fucking Will Hobbs. You know what I just thought about though? <laughs> Why would the Rhodes family come out to help Darby? They don't give a fuck about Darby. Get Cody out of there. Help someone. What was the Rhodes family doing? <laughs> Taking care of the dog? One dog. Do you see the one dog that was out there that was like 14 years old or something that he barely moved? <laughs> it was like that dog just looked surprised to be alive. I, I, I literally, there's very few things I rewind in wrestling. And I rewind at the fucking dog because I wasn't sure if he, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was moving. <laughs> I was like, are you sure that's not a stuffed animal? <laughs> Go back and look at that dog, man. I don't want him. I thought that I was a fucking stuffed animal the first time. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was kind of interesting because all the combination of this thing, all the combination of everything that happened with this match, the three different stories I was telling. But uh, I thought about it before this match head on, I was like, wait a minute, this is the first time I think I've seen somebody fight Darby three times. And the problem with fighting Darby is Moxley was proof of it because Moxley had to go harder the second time. Darby learns from his opponents. So of all the times for Cody to get cocky, fight number three is not the one. Yeah, but Darby again, it was it, it was just done, I don't know. The Cody character was weak enough that I almost don't care at this point just because it was done. Like, he's been such a strange oddball ever since he's been in in AEW, you know? I don't even know what to call him. I'm trying to find that fucking dog, believe it or not, just because I can't believe how how much it doesn't... It looks like a stuffed animal that just came to hang out. Was that the red carpet? Is that what it was? The dog made it to the red carpet? Was that... Oh, God, God, was that Pharaoh? Holy shit. No, it wasn't Pharaoh. It's another dog. She has another one that's literally, like, like almost not alive. Yeah, you have to go and watch that red carpet, man. I don't have that on our queue here. But, yeah, it's fucking frightening. But even the dogs didn't come to save Cody. Shit, why nobody coming for that? Unbelievable. (laughs) You know, like I said, the only title he'll be able to keep is Rhodes, ironically. Anyway, uh... And then we talked um, about this last week too, so it's not like this is coming out of left. We talked about the TNT title and the dangers of it being hot potatoed. It's 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 a bad, it's the worst game of paper rock scissors that I've ever seen in my life. You know why? Because Cody beats Brody, but Darby beats Cody. I mean, you see what I mean? They could hop. It, you know, I thought about I, I thought about what you were saying too, and when I saw the match, I was like, okay, so this is what they need to do now. What Darby? Because the problem with it is. Cody had got what six or seven title defenses in that first run, and then Cody got like no, Brody got like two. This was Cody's first one. Darby yeah, has could to be... get a run. Yeah, but he beat and the I leader mean... of the Dark Order, man, and then yeah. and then this guy came and fucking beat him. Yeah, yeah, because Darby's fought him three times, and like it's... I said, Darby improves every time you fight him. Eventually, Darby's. Gonna gonna win if you if you fight darby 10 times and you beat him nine he's beating you on 10 mm. and just like i said not only the fact that he learns cody let him hang around too long anybody who's done any kind of thing whether it be a game any kind of situation like that if you let somebody hang around too long you're going to get caught we watch ufc all the time we've yeah. seen cases where somebody's let somebody hang around a little too long and then got caught yeah Cody should have killed off Darby when he had the chance, and that's the thing Arn was so pissed about at the end. Yeah, he but, literally, I, I think I even heard Arn say, "Finish it." 
But that's because they booked it that way. So to me, that's bad booking for the title for Cody for everyone for Brody. The only one is good for is Darby, I guess. Darby would yeah, all win for him. It wasn't about Cody; it was about Darby because yeah, Darby was yeah, overdue for a it's fucking not about championship. Brody either. But the, but then let's think about the amount of investment that they put into Cody and Brody, and now all of a sudden these guys have this big storyline. Yeah, well, nobody's really thinking about Brody right now. Yeah, that's a problem. Bro, 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 that's Brody's a big problem. Nobody's thinking about Brody. Nobody's thinking about Miro. There's so many yeah, people yeah, that aren't the being thought about. Not near the title picture. Yeah, why? That's what I'm saying, though. Why? Why is no one thinking about any of these characters? Why did it become Darby all of a sudden? That kid's been ride or die since day one, and it was about time he got a championship. I mean, Darby can't keep losing champion. Darby needed to win this worse than Cody did, honestly. Right, but not everyone. And that's another thing that's bothering me in current wrestling. Not everyone should win a title. Not everyone can win a title. It's like everyone shouldn't have a turn. You know what I mean? And it's like like there's some people who need a turn, and Darby needed a turn. I guess it's literally with, with, dude, every, it was, with everything he's been doing for T, for EAW. Why not? You know, because it's like how long did Cody have it since he won it back? Was it even a month? It was around a month. See what I mean? Like that? That's bad though for a title that's supposed to be that. Words, let's let's keep in mind their words, not mine. They're they're saying that title's supposed to be just as prestigious as the world title that hasn't changed hands. And that title's jumped all over. Fucking Darby Allen has it on. This is the third person to have it. You know, it's like yeah. they can't keep saying that that title is as important as the other title. And then not treat it that way. That's I mean, but which one defended more though? The TNT title defended almost every week, whereas the AEW we get it what once every two months. Yeah, and that's a problem too. The timing of that, but okay. at the same time, the the people that are winning it, it's just it it annoys me. Like I don't see how like that title. Someone needed to hold that title down for a while. Like now, to me, that's that's a mid card title now. I mean, that's what it's always been though. As a mid card, right? we can't accept anything more. I agree. Like, but yeah, what I'm at telling the end you, of the day, everybody it, can say, "Oh, it's free like a world title." We know it's a fucking mid card title, right? But that's the problem. If they want to push it as a as a main title, which they clearly do, then they shouldn't be doing these things because it just looks like the mid card title that I think it is. Like especially I mean, when at the, the end of the day, I, I'd fast. rather a day one who's been here since the beginning win it and fucking like some random guy like what fucking Brian Cage. But if you're going to do that, sure. I walked in the floor going got a world championship match. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do that, sure. But then the Brody Lee thing shouldn't have happened in the middle of that. At the very least, then there should have been some credibility. So then what was, there was no point. Like, let's say that what you're saying happens, right? And that from here on, Darby gets a great run with the title and that it's memorable and everything. Then all that we're ever, ever going to take about this, take back from this historically is that that fucking Brody Lee shit should have never happened then. Nobody's gonna remember Brody Lee by the time Darby's done. That's the thing. But is that good? Like, are you, like are you are you are you cool with it being that the Brody Lee thing was literally a fucking waste? The whole Dark Order I mean, and that whole middle part won't matter. Like if Cody Rhodes loses the title and gains it back from them, and then that's it. It now goes to Darby, and he's off to do his storylines with that title. That literally just made that entire angle and stable and everyone in it completely shit can. There was almost no development. I mean, fucking let them do their own thing. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, when I'm looking at this Darby Allen championship run, I've been wanting a Darby to get a championship since day one. Yeah. No, and I'm not disagreeing. I, I mean, like, like, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, the, the Brody thing was good because Brody got something. Yeah, it should have gone longer. But I'm looking at this Darby Allen championship. I'm not even thinking about Cody anymore. Yeah. I'm not I worried about you. how long I... Cody have it. I'm, doing, I'm thinking straight ahead to, like, what's next for Darby. Right. But I'm just saying we could have gotten to the destination just a cleaner way than with all the, like, everything that happened, the hot potatoing of the title. Like, I'm never going to agree with that. Whether or not Darby Allen should have had a title and have a run, that's completely subjective, whether you're a fan of him or not, which I don't disagree with him. Maybe he should have had one. But I'm just saying that everything before this, before him winning, was shit. Like, all of that back and forth and Cody and then them laying out the Rhodes family 
at the top of the ramp. And then she's fucking having uh, a shot of Brandy on YouTube with, with, with fucking John Silver, like, a, a week later. Like, just the way this whole thing, it, it doesn't vibe with me, man. Like I said, again, if Darby has a great run from here, kudos to him. Hopefully no one remembers what was going on the week before. Because, uh, yeah. Maybe it's just because I've seen worse. I've seen worse shit done, you know? Yeah. And it's not even just from WWE, other places. Yeah, we'll see. So I'm kind of just happens. like, I see the effort there, but I'm like, hey, at least I see the effort. But... Yeah, I don't know. Like I I said, don't we'll, we'll see though. Anyway, in regards to uh let me think, anything else about this this match? The, the, like I said, the uh, thing being hot yeah. potatoed. Um I love Jim Ross when they introduced him as Cody Rose. This is the first time we've heard that aside from one of my screw ups. Oh my god. No, you know? besides no, that is not a screw up. That's acknowledging WWE's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Mike Kyoto is the ref here. Senior referee Mike Kyoto makes a cameo. Uh so that was also just cool. sign him at this rate. Yeah, we haven't talked we at all about that. Yeah, we haven't talked at all about the actual body of work though. So in regards to the match, uh, Cody throwing Darby to the outside from that hammer lock looked really cool. Um, also taunting Darby with the push-ups was part of the parts where we see his vulnerabilities, where he becomes that weird, stupid character that it sort of bites him in the ass. He, he, um, he, I think what it was, he acknowledged the fact that he's never lost to Darby a little bit too much and didn't take Darby. It kind of seemed like he wasn't taking Darby as seriously as he should. Yeah, and Arn was kind of picking up on that. Darby has a very cool Yoshi tonic. I like the speed of this guy, the rolling overall, the way he looks. He is ridiculously um, fast. Like. Yeah. He clings to the middle turnbuckle pad uh, to avoid the crossroads and inadvertently he pulls it off and it winds up driving Cody's head into it head first, essentially. Uh, Cody hitting that avalanche crossroads. That um, looked like that sucked. Yeah. And then Cody <laughs> going for that disaster kick that, uh, that this guy winds up catching him out of the air into the last supper. Also a cool little sequence there. I thought that was really well done. Um, again, Car- match- Car- um, Darby getting the two off that coffin drop, which Darby looked devastated when he didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, almost- that, that, that's the first time I've ever seen Darby have a look of like, it looked like fear, doubt, and sadness all in the same shot. Yeah. Lots of good different false finishes here. That's for sure. The, the benefit that these two had of wrestling each other twice before definitely helped with this match. Well, like I said, I don't agree with it with the way that they, they're booking that title, but it's their title. If they break it, they can't fix it. That's one thing I've learned about mid-card titles. Once you break them, they're very hard to fix. A new title, new shiny toy, you can run that shit and do cool things. But once you try to break it and then you have to replace it and then you merge it and combine it and relinquish it. And before you know it, you wipe your ass with it. And next thing you know, it changes nine times in the same night. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying, man. It's like it's called the TNT Championship. Should have done something better. Uh, AW Women's Title Match, World Title Match. Kawashita defending her title against Nyla Rose, being accompanied by Vicky Guerrero, with the finish being Sheeta hitting that knee. She needs her to death. She beats the fuck out of her. This is just a just lunch. Like last she, match. She needs she, her till she stays down. She. I'm telling you this. Anytime it is noon, Sheeta is definitely indulging in some food. Because she fucking took Nyla's lunch money during this match. Because I was watching the match and it was like she was kicking the shit out of her. It was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. When Nyla goes for the chair or or Aubrey stops her and then Vicky, you hear her scream, bullshit. I kind of like that. Um, She the winds up backdropping Nyla. She suplexes her. She backdrops her she hits her with an avalanche falcon arrow and then one of the worst things that you can have ever seen after she hits her with that avalanche falcon arrow on the two count she pulls her head up off the mat 
That's a level of savagery from a smaller wrestler you do not see. She's like, no, I ain't done with this motherfucker yet. At that moment, I think I became like a permanent Sheeta fan. Like right at that point, because I totally didn't see that coming. Like I legit popped because it was like, I thought, all right, that's it. And it was like, oh, shit, she pulled her up off the mat and she's smiling. (laughs) It was like, she's going to end your ass. She was throwing her around on the outside. She whipped her into the steps like if she was Spike Dudley. She oh up. my god, she beat the shit out of this girl. She threw her into Vicky on the outside. Might have been one of the reasons. Right uh-huh. I, I don't care who you are, what division you are. If you don't have Sheeta in there, sorry, your division ain't the best no more. He Send anybody you ass. want. I guarantee you ain't none of them fucking with Sheeta. Pulled because don't head nobody do that shit. Who did she piss off, right? <laughs> who did she piss off Holy backstage? Because they threw her all I, I ain't never seen that. Oscar pick up Nia Jax not one Pulled time. Pulled her head up off of the mat. Yo, and she was suplexing her like they were the same size. That no. is scary. That is the decline of Nyla Rose right there because even at the end, Vicky looked at her and was like, you fucking suck. And she slapped her. And I know some of you people were expecting this to be some sort of a Nyla Rose face turn, but it wasn't. She just bowed her head in shame. You know what she's going to do? Hit a Guerrero? She's not at that status yet. You don't go from losing the, the, the match. Like, what, what fucking status does she have? The people were expecting her to hit Vicky with a finisher. Like, whenever you see Vicky in those kind of situations, at least when it's written properly, it's usually because it's a situation that she got in where someone's allowed to do that shit and get away with it. Either she fired them anyway, or they're from another brand, or something. Or they're the Undertaker. You can't just be in. You think you're going to f- slap a Guerrero like that? Get out of here with that. I knew that she was going to bow her head in shame. I thought she was going to make her eat dog food next. <laughs> you know, she was not playing. But that ends that little alliance, right? Oh, no, they, that, that, yeah, that, that shit ain't ending. It's just gonna be fucking Nyla ain't gonna be allowed to speak unless spoken to. Yeah, people thought Nyla was wearing babyface outfit. Technically, she was because that, that's Mega Man cosplay. In case you're wondering what she was trying to do there. Hey, I ain't gonna argue. I mean, hey, she's a champ. <laughs> anyway, uh, up next, the match of forever. Oh, wow. You just literally just threw because it out. There was no more. Yeah, I guess there's no more to talk about with this. Nyla Rose, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was pretty much it. Like, she that kicked the dog shit out of her. Vicky slapped her. She left away with a tail between her legs. Like, mm-hmm. Bringing us to the AEW <laughs> World Tag Team title match. FTR, Cash The match Wheeler, of the fucking year. Cash Wheel and Dax Hardwood with Tully Blanchard defending their titles against the Young Bucks, which you know are Matt and Nick. Finish being Cash Wheeler hits a nasty super kick on Matt, but instead of going for a cover, he winds up breaking his own rule of the fists just fists no flips and he flips he goes for a springboard 450 and he crashes and burns and matt goes over with the super kicks and that is it yeah. and then afterwards the got their belts and then afterwards omega comes out to celebrate with the young bucks and while they're celebrating on the top right entrance hangman is at at the entrance and what i like about that which is something unique is that they didn't put too much emphasis on him I think uh, Tony Schiavone, which I would have appreciated if he didn't even do that. I think he might have said, did you see someone lurking in the shadows or something like that? Like as the segment ended, but it didn't even need that. To me, it's the equivocal to like when Hogan came out, when Nash and Hall were out there and they were like, here comes the Hulkster. And I forget who it was. They went, but whose side's he on? And he turned heel. It was like, dude, that was the biggest heel turn in, in history. 
you motherfucker fucker. Like, why did you say, but whose side he on? Every time I watch that thing of Hogan coming down the ramp, I hear you saying, but whose side he on? It pisses me off. That moment's way better without that happening. This, to me, was one of those things, you know, where it's kind of like Hangman was, was up there. And for people who caught it, it's an Easter egg. But we don't need to hear somebody go, was someone lurking in the shadows? Hey, what are you it's doing, Rob? It's kind of like, and this won't spoil it for you because I know you haven't seen this movie yet, but uh, the, in The First Strangers, there's a scene with Liv Tyler sitting in her kitchen by herself, and one of them is in the house. And he, j- and th- th- this is the greatest thing, because I saw this movie in theaters. This was the greatest fucking thing I ever pulled off. He's just sitting there, like, way off in the background. And the best part about it is you could see people gradually notice it because nobody's looking directly out there. You're looking at the bucks. It hears fucking page just off in the background. Yeah, so I and thought you that see was gradually people notice them. Yeah, well, I'm not going to sit here and spot call, especially when it comes to a Bucks versus FTR match. But I'll say that there's a lot of quick in and out tags for this early start of this. Um, Dax Harwood's hand got cut. I think when he hit his his um hit it against the ring ring post at one point. Yeah, at some point he, at some point he got sliced. Yeah. What made this match cool was that there were so many homages to people. FTR using the, the, the Heart Foundation's heart attack. Uh, then and they went the on to use the, uh, the, the Steiner, the Steiner top, top, uh, bulldogs, you know, top rope. The, bulldog. fucking, uh, the, the Bucks hitting you know, the Hardy's extreme combination, the twist yeah. of fate into the swanton. Yeah. They did the, they did the 3D and then the twist of fate into the swanton. And then FTR, they go for the Champa Gargano DIY finish. Meet me in the middle, fucking. You know what I mean? Like this was they pulled out all the stops here. You know, Nick takes a nasty table bump and uh and Matt winds up hitting a, a spike tile driver. Uh this, this was violent. This was violent, this was crazy. They they went what what did this go for like an hour? It felt they like it. Fought all over the place. And you know what the funny thing about it is Matt um it was either Matt or Nick, they shit they shared on their social media that tweet. Everybody knows the tweet. Where they talked about the fact that the Bucks and FTR were gonna fight one day. Yeah. If this, this if your company doesn't have this match, your tag team division is the second best at this point because these guys smashed everybody. Yeah, like they stole the in, like not even just the show. They stole the wrestling freaking world because at one point I was I, at one point I, I had a little watch party with a couple of friends. We were watching this match, and I look over to my friend, and I go, so so they're just going to cancel the rest of the matches because these fuckers are going to fight all night at the rate this is going. Yeah, this was good. This was definitely good. This was absolutely amazing. So then we had the Elite Deletion match, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, and, I mean, this was weird. Guevara shows up. This is one of those cinematic things. Guevara shows up in a golf cart. Vanguard 1 is scanning him. Matt Hardy shows up in a monster truck. At one point, Guevara moonsaults off the wheel of the monster truck. They have like a brawl in the woods. Um, Matt manages to Hardy compound. Yeah, the, the the Matt manages to get a hold of the scepter of Mustafa's that's like hidden in a fountain, and you know, commentators <laughs> wondering what the fuck is going on. Someone was like, "What is that?" I believe it was a uh, Jim Ross. Was like, "What is that?" And then I think it was a. Uh, I, it might have been Excalibur with like the scepter of Mustafa's, and he's just like, "Oh, Excalibur is because one of them always seems to know." Yeah. Then once the fight gets to the ring, because there's like a ring set up outside, you guys know how the Hardy compound is. Like Hardy winds up power bombing Sammy through a table. Ortiz and Santana get involved in this attacking Matt, who he had private party on standby, who they come to the compound. Um, 
Then, of course, you have the Roman candle battle that happens where, like, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, they're shooting with a Roman candle. Guevara getting the worst of running off, getting pegged with these candles. Uh, it's just, it was fucking weird. It was just as weird as you would always expect. To top things off, you somehow managed to get Gangrel and, and uh, Hurricane Helms, of all people. But I'm more surprised about Gangrel. Gangrel and Hurricane Helms show up in this freaking thing. Don't ask me how or why. Shit. Stop right there, this superhero becomes a ghost story. Who are you? I mentor you, and you show me no loyalty. I was Sammy's first mentor, and he was loyal all the time. I choose Sammy every day, every time over you. Wow. Get grill and Hurricane Helms! Tied up. Hurricane Helms being freed from captivity by Matt Hardy here. Also known as David Heath. Wow. Jim Ross just kept reminding Finally. us that he's known Helms. as David Heath. Like he was just so happy. Even years. though no one really it knows him. So like long. I'm sorry, it's long-term storytelling. Besides, I have to get <laughs> to AEW to actually finish this. What's up with that? Oh, ooh, far with a blindside super kick. Yeah, this was all over the place, right? Okay, it was good storytelling. It's kind of crazy to think he's now the deletion pretty much everywhere. What you're saying in ROH. That's it. I thought he was going to turn into freaking uh, that boy band Helms after he threw him in again. You know what the sad part about it is? I feel like that would have been too easy. I feel like it would have been like uh, when he went on that when he had when he went on that singles one, he was cruiserweight champion forever. Yeah. Pop that one up, have the music and everything, bucket, right? Yeah. I mean, this was a good idea, though. It was safer to consider how quickly their last match ended. Yeah. It was all over the place. They got a lot of freedom. As you could tell, this is obviously Matt Hardy guiding the ship. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the finish wound up being. Wait, 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 because we still have a bit to go after that part happened. Because then we had, uh, after the hurricane gets thrown into that lake, they, they stumble into the garage where he keeps that there and then he calls out I believe Scarsgard and somehow the boat comes flying and then the door gets gets sealed they like seal the door of deletion and the door seals and uh ironic that we have sort of an homage but Guevara winds up hitting the Jeff Hardy table swanton on Matt literally the ladder spot he hits that swanton mm-hmm. where he goes over the table he hits that on Matt um, Hardy winds up spearing Guevara off of the ring apron through a table so this was pretty brutal, and uh, you go ahead, you can take it. From yeah, there. and then um, of course after they finish this brutal finale by, not only does uh Matt throw the, a chair at Guevara the similar way that it was thrown at Matt, but then, of all things, kind of an homage once again an homage to an old friend, a one man concerto over Guevara for the win. Which is weird, because even, for, for you to have like a concerto, you need the chair to be underneath them, too. I was thinking about it, because everybody was calling it a concerto, but I was like, it's only a concerto when there's two chairs. You put one chair under them, put their chair head on top of it, and the other, it's more like you just hit him with a chair, unless you, you know what I mean? Yeah. If he was going for a concerto, which is still weird, because that's an Edge and Christian thing, but if he was going for one of those, you need two chairs. That's the whole premise of it. Yeah, then I guess I guess they embrace the fact that it's like it was on a concrete floor, but it's like yeah, you would basically need two chairs. But but I guess I feel like there's only a handful of people that aren't named Edge and Christian who can do that and still get away with it. And I feel like that's one of them. Yeah, but if you're gonna be that that handful of people, then also be the handful of people to do that shit correctly. Like put the chair underneath his head, 
you know, and do the proper. Because I was surprised. I was like, wait a minute, that was a good spot for a concerto, but instead they just laid him on the uh, on the he thing. Said, fucking Negan his ass, just fucking poof. Yeah, we'll just hit you with a lazy charito. <laughs> you know, it's not the same as a concerto. It's a concerto. Yeah, concrete. And there you go. See, we said we salvaged it. Yeah, we somehow saved it. Even, <laughs> yeah, it was a little was, flawed, but we fixed it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I did like it. Like I said, overall, good stuff. Um, it was entertaining as always. Yeah, and then they wind up putting him in the garbage, right? They have the uh, the private party come out and they dump him in the garbage, <laughs> and uh, then then the cameo happens because they say, "Take him away, Senior Benjamin," and then Senior Benjamin drives him away to a pop because everybody loves them. Some Senior oh Benjamin. Oh my God, I was so happy to see him. I knew something was missing. I couldn't quite put my thumb on it. Then I saw him and I was like, ah, ah, there he is. Couple more hours into the night, I'm sitting here catching up on New Japan. Look over on my Twitter feed. And I see Sammy Guevara tweet out, I have no idea where I am. Help. <laughs> Wherever he is, he has signal. That's all. That's all we know. Oh my God. I love how he kept up with the bit though. Like, he always does. If you go follow like, him on like, social media, he's not gonna do some regular shit. Like, go fuck this. I'm gonna act like I'm no nowhere. I'm at yeah, he always does something like that. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why, we get a Jake Roberts and Lance Archer intermission promo. I didn't even really fully pay attention to it. Like, I'm completely, like, I don't care about these promos that much. You know, in the pay-per-view, buddy. Yeah, I think it was only just because Archer is going to get the winner of the main event. So it's pretty much like, this was pretty much the don't forget about Lance spot. Because freaking at this point, with those promos, they going back and forth. I could have forgotten that Lance was even the, the next contender. Yeah. So then that brings us to the if MJF wins, he gets to join the inner circle match. Chris Jericho versus MJF with Wardlow. With the finish being Wardlow tosses MJF uh that ring that he wears, almost like as a brass knuckle. And when uh Aubrey is taking it away, Hager tosses Jericho the bat, but then MJF proceeds to pretend that he gets hit, winds up laying down, so then Aubrey turns turns around. And uh, to deal with that, and when Jericho's trying to explain to her that he didn't hit anybody, MJF then rolls him up with using the tights. So this was literally cheat after cheat after cheat after cheat. Everybody counted each other. He pulled an Eddie on him. Yeah. Everybody pulled something. It's like it was like the ultimate cheat. Uh, I did like the intro with MJF coming out with the Jericho jacket callback. That was Um, awesome. I love how he even did like the arm pump too. Yeah. Jericho interesting to see him here going into his cruiserweight offense if anybody remembers Lionheart Chris Jericho in the ECW days he's hitting stuff like the Frankensteiners and the Lion Salts and stuff he completely different from the uh, current Chris Jericho offense so he hit the sky more on this I thought this was cool um, it's M- cool that you can still do that after all these years yeah MJF kind of does an homage to him when he hits the code breaker he does a code breaker heat seeker combo um and uh, he also even counters his new finisher. He counters that Judas effect into the Fujiwara armbar, which, as you guys know, he called the salt of the earth. Um, all, all cool stuff. All very solid. Yeah. Uh, These guys did a really good job meshing together. Yeah, they were excellent. And now you have uh, MJF and Wardlow. They welcomed Wardlow as well at the end when they did it. So it's like Wardlow. I was worried that was going to happen. Wardlow was going to get jumped out and be babyface against all of them. Uh, nah, well, it's a package deal. but Good. Good. I don't mind a bigger inner circle. I think it's nice. Exactly. That is wonderful. The person, the, the personalities mesh very well. Even when the fact that like Ortiz and uh Guevara not liking him, it still adds to it. So. Yeah, it really does. 
Finally, you get the AEW World Title I Quit match. John Moxley defending against Eddie Kingston with the finish being Bulldog Choke with Barbed Wire. Eddie Kingston says, I quit. Eddie looked like he was dying. <laughs> I mean, he had his face wrapped in barbed wire. That, in a, in a that fucking, was the disturbing you know, image. Bulldog Choke. It was like he was choking him in his own barbed wire. He looked like a, he didn't care about disappointing mom at that moment, man. Got to be careful when you're fucking with Moxley. He, really, he should have known what was going to happen. You the know? funny thing is he really did have a look at a moment where it's like I can't like literally it, it was like it, it was almost like debating life or death like do I die and don't let mom down or do I live to fight another day and break promise to mom and he had to make a choice like this yeah. was it was a uh, it was, was different brutal. a lot of throwing chairs at each other's faces the barbed wire bat um Kingston suplexing Moxley on the thumbtacks Kingston pouring rubbing alcohol on the open wounds I, I love like how the doctor was giving him shit when he grabbed the alcohol I remember, this isn't a complaint, it's just an observation. I remember when AEW first started, I think, I forget what one of the first title matches with Moxley was, but it was a hardcore crazy match. You probably remember, because you give more of a fuck about them than I do. But it was some sort of a hardcore match. And I remember at the time, people saying that this was just going to be like a one-off thing that he'd get out of his system. Oh, um, yeah, it was, um... It, it wouldn't always it was be hit, It was way. him and Janela, the first lights out match they had. Right. Right. And now here we are a year later and there's thumbtacks all over the floor and rubbing alcohol and barbed wire and steel chairs and Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? And again, this I mean, isn't, I'm not being critical. It's just an observation of what they said versus what they did. It couldn't be more the opposite of, of, of happening now, the way that they said that it would. Now, now, the only hole I got to poke in that, though, is I know he had the lights out match with both Omega and uh, Janela. Been a while since he's had those two, and I don't know that he's had one of these since he's been champion. At least I know before he had quite a few of them. In fact, up until the feud with Jericho, that was the whole thing. It's just like this guy's too dangerous to become champion. But it seems like he'd mellowed out a bit. This was the first time I saw him go to that place since he's been world champion. Yeah, but it's just a oh man, he's had some world title regular wrestling matches. Oh, he's been having. But this is the only, this is the first one of his championship run where it hasn't been regular. But you can't have regular with Eddie Kingston. That's the thing. Like, and with their history, you couldn't just have them have a regular wrestling match. Yeah. Like, Either way, the, though, I think the, the thing about it, it wouldn't do ju- it wouldn't do it justice. Yeah. Either way, the pay per view was five star. This was a perfect pay per view in the sense of of what you would consider for nowadays being a good good pay per view. It was like a five star pay per view. Yeah, they went the they started out full speed and it just ramped up from there. Like everybody brought their A game in this match. Yeah, definitely. Um, good things to come from this company for sure. No reason to think otherwise. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, they they ha- we there we have their stuff. There is their stuff that we're critical about. The weeklies, but really. I mean, they have to adjust. The yeah, weeklies it's more. They the seem weeklies. to still know how to do pay per view. Yeah, because like when it, yeah when it comes to pay per views, it's all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's another reason why we tolerate them too, is because at the end of the day, there's still a place where they deliver. These guys deliver everywhere else, too. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, now we're going to be moving on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I did, like I said earlier, I caught I, I caught up on all of the G1 so we could talk, go about the results and the current Power Struggle pay-per-view that happened over the weekend. I'm not going to try to spend too much time on this. No promises, though. Some matches I might not have a lot to say because, you know, after you watch, what is it? How many matches? 100? 120? How many fucking matches? Well, it's 19 days worth of matches. 39 okay. hours worth of 
All you got to do to find out how many matches we had to watch for anyone that doesn't stand. Keep in mind that each G1 is 19 days. It's about two and a half hours a day, right? I believe the uh, last night's about three, but yeah. like. Hold on. I'm going to try to do the math here in real time. Actually, actually, yeah, yeah, because every uh, the first 18 nights, each episode was two hours. And then night 19, the finale was three. And there's always yeah, five rep- matches, right? Yeah, so yeah, it wraps up around time wise. It wraps we up watched, to about thirty nine hours worth. Of we watched ninety five matches. <laughs> if you're counting all of the nights, oh probably closer to ninety six because I believe the last night has six matches. We're not even discounting G one because there were some regular matches too. But we had to watch ninety six G one matches over this period. So fuck you if I'm a little late. And you don't like it. Yeah. So j- j- just for the record, this is a shoot. I knew the time when it came to like each episode. I did not realize the amount of matches in total. Ninety-five. We just oh, we just did the math uh, for you guys. Do you even G one? So I'm writing it we're, down. We're talking about the same people. Some of these I'll have stuff to say. Some of them wrestling happened. I'll just tell you to finish. You know, you try to do ninety-five matches and have unique things to say about each one, and I'll give you that uh that half drunken freaking or half drunken Gatorade Zero. More healthy nowadays. Damn, we went from <laughs> you from VH Flash to a Gatorade Zero. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be my giveaway. <laughs> anyway, so when we last left off, we were now going to do New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Night 15, October 13th, Block A. Opening the show with Jeff Cobb versus Will Ospreay with the finish being the tour of the islands. With Jeff Cobb going over. Uh, and yeah, I got to say this Cobb guy super protected that F5000, the tour of the islands. It all looks brutal. Um... I like stuff like when Osprey would go for the head scissors and Cobb would just hold him there. Um, He's been kind of, yeah, they've been, he, even if it's not a win in G1, they're building him for something. Yeah. Um, You know, like I said, times when he would go for like the um, sunset flip and Cobb would just stand there. Very interesting. So Cobb looked good here. This had to be the upset of the tournament, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yujiro Takahashi goes up against Kota Ibushi, the finish being the Kamagoya via Kota. Now, uh. Poor, poor Yujiro can't catch a break, man. No, no, he can't. Now, uh. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about this match. I mean, that's pretty I much mean, it. Takahashi wasn't really doing good in this. Yeah, he's. Oh, God, he's not been having a good G1. He hasn't won yet. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move. Tai Chi versus Shingo, with the finish being Tai Chi going over with the Black Mephisto. Um, interesting things about this thing. I think Shingo's stealing moves. He winds up taking the Tai Chi clutch and it becomes the Shingo clutch. And then Tai Chi steals the last of the dragon. But it's funny. I love Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly's great at this. He's a so <laughs> Tai Chi steals last of the dragon. And Kevin Kelly calls it. Tai Chi does his own ugly version of last of the dragon. Oh, oh my God. And then Rocky Romero, he goes, the ugly dragon. <laughs> oh, God. Yo, I had to pause it because I was laughing too hard. I could fucking. I just like how honest it was. He called it like it was just accepted. He does an ugly version of <laughs> Last of the Drag. The ugly drag. The poor guy's trying to steal the other guy's finisher and they fucking bury it like that. <laughs> oh my God. Instead of Last of the Dragon, the ugly dragon. Those two were great on commentary, man. That was really good. I was thoroughly entertained by this. All right, next we had Minoru Suzuki versus Jay White with Ghetto. With the finish being Suzuki goes for the pile driver, but Ghetto distracts the ref on the outside, letting Jay go for the low blow into the Blade Runner. I'm sick of the fucking Bullet Club. Um, 
There's so much nonsense. Ghetto tries to take out Suzuki with a chair. This was just a distraction for Red Shoes so that Jay would wind up attacking Suzuki with a different chair, but that fails because Suzuki winds up hitting Jay with a throat shot and he beats the fuck out of him with the chair before Red Shoes winds up taking it away. But you know what I mean? It's like there's all these parts we have to fight everybody there, you know, and it was really getting on my nerves throughout this thing. That's one thing I have to give New Japan credit for. They really make the heels motherfuckers that you hate. They're not cool. Exactly. You don't want their like, shirts. We're not supposed to be like, for I, the heels. like, I can't stand this bullet club. They keep ruining an otherwise good tournament. You know, and it and you know what the thing off. about it is? I thought about it when it got to this match. That's why I'm okay with it. Because it's the Bullet Club. We weren't supposed to like these guys. But but, but everybody just started liking them. But they suffer from the same babyface problem that WWE and all the other companies suffer from, which is why don't the babyfaces ever band together and make like a strong stable and go after these guys? And now New Japan, they don't have to. They're established stables. They have chaos, right? Yeah. And I don't understand. We're going to get into it later. But think about how many people are in chaos. You have Yoshihashi. You have Toru Yano. You have Hiroki Goto. You have Tomohiro Ishii. Right? Who else is in there? Help me out here with chaos. Of course. Uh, of course, Okada. Okada. So you see, like, those, you guys should fuck these guys up. You know? It just kind of gets on my nerve that it doesn't happen. It seems like with New Japan, it seems like it's more they stay out of each other's business, whereas WWE just forgets. But yeah, like, kind of like... Bring somebody with you. Like, yeah, you know, don't be don't be a Rhodes family. Okay. You know, don't yeah, be the nightmare family. Can't you can't be them. You know, but a Jay White hit the same inverted dragon screw that Tanahashi hit Suzuki with two years ago in Hokkaido. That pretty much would turn the tides of that match via Kevin Kelly. Ah, uh, Suzuki reverses that though into a heel hook, and then Suzuki transitions Jay White's Blade Runner at one point into a nasty armbar. And he winds up tapping, but once again, we have fucking Ghetto, who he distracts Red Shoes, so he doesn't see it, causing Suzuki to release the hold. And then Suzuki takes care of Ghetto, and then he goes back to slapping the shit out of Jay White. But there's so much going on here, you know? Um, he winds up countering the, the Blade Runner two more times, and the second time pulling Jay White off of him by the fucking hair. Like, just get off of me. So, like I said, uh, I'm just sick of the Bullet Club stuff here. Like, you have to fight so many of them, and it makes them look weak, too. That it's almost even with all the cheating, they barely get off a win here. Uh, the main event of this night was Tomohiro Ishii against Okada, with the finish being Ishii passes out in the money clip. And that's good because Okada would have been eliminated if he didn't win this. And, yeah, th- this was, they're at that point in the G1 where like every match is starting to count more and more. Yeah. What the hell is that beef bowl that they're talking about with Okada? That he has a beef bowl, like was this a beef bowl night for him? Um, because they were talking about them backstage and they were talking about how Ishii is backstage and they were saying that Okada will probably have that beef bowl. What the fuck is that? I, it's some kind of a it's a thing it's i know it's food in japan i can't remember exactly what it is but i think it's something that like a lot of athletes like they like it's either a victory or like a prep meal and it just gets you like revved up and ready to go like interesting she must have hella energy but yeah freaking okada being still successful i mean at this point i believe he was sitting at about 12 points still manages sit pretty successful uh not 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 finishing matches with the rainmaker yeah. Um, and also at one point when Okada hit, did that spot where he drop kicks Ishii off the top rope, Ishii winds up rooting himself and he answers back with a flying knee to the back of Okada's head when he's re- recovering from said drop kick. I thought that was an interesting way to handle that because Okada does that. He plants you up on the top, kicks you off the side. And uh, Ishii was yeah. prepared and locked in. It's, it's kind of yeah. funny the way these guys fought each other. You wouldn't have thought they were teammates. Yeah, totally. Like, like it, that's what I love about Japan. They don't make a whole dramatic like, oh, it's teammate versus teammate. Yeah, See, no, if you fine, don't know man. they're in chaos, you just don't fucking know. 
Yeah, and it's like that's the reason the Bullet Club thing became so annoying. You know. Yeah, they 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 treat each other as if they're teammates, whereas like freaking Ichi and Okada, it's just like okay for like the next like hour we're not chaos. Yeah. Well, anyway, now that brings us to. Night 16, October 14th, Block B, Kenta versus Yoshihashi opening the match with Yoshihashi giving, uh, Envy a verbal submission on Kenta's crossface. Uh, you had Zack Sabre Jr. against Juice Robinson with Zack Sabre with a roll up, I believe. Um, but I did yeah, love that, the chain wrestling was... and just the whole competitive nature between these two, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This match was extremely back and forth, pretty much from start to finish. I believe yeah, it was uh, that European clutch, that really weird uh, clutch submit, uh, clutch um, pin that um, Zach's been using. He doesn't go to it very often, but when he does, I haven't seen him fail to get a win with it yet. So. Yeah, definitely. and this was this was kind of at that point. Juice is kind of on a downward um, slope when it comes to G One. Now, what happens to most of them, you know? Yeah, this is that point in G1 where to make or break, like, people are either going to be that downward slope or they're going to hit their apex, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Next, you have Toru Yano versus Tatsuya Naito with the finish being Naito going over with a pop-up dick kick. You know? Uh, <laughs> what the f- Having enough of Yano shit. Naito took his sweet-ass time with this entrance unbuttoning his shirt. Uh, <laughs> you know. I love how aggravated Yano was kidding. Yeah. Uh, Yano was a taunting asshole. At one point, he fakes a dive and he hits the rope. Then he essentially does Naito's roll into the middle of the ring, but instead of Tranquilo, he does his signature shrug. Um, and then he, this causes him to lose track of Naito. And Naito, in mockery of him, he steals his move by taking the turnbuckle down, but Yano's faster and he manages to get it off first. Um, and then at one point, Yano grabs one of those young lions, I believe his name is Suji, and like he ties, ties him to Naito on the outside between the barricade. And Suji has to get in the ring with Naito since they're tied together. And he's like fucking stuck with, with, with Suji, and they're kind of doing spots together. And then after Suji um, gets free of the tape, like Naito, he kind of gives him a tranquilo. Like he's like, really? Me? Me? And he's like, all right. And like I kind of saw, I don't know how you want to see the comment. As soon as he tranquilos him, he gives him a kick to the midsection. He body slams him onto Yano. You think you see it coming, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he fucking used the young line as a weapon. You know what the bad part the about young it is? Boy. <laughs> this is what I love about the way they book Yano. Yano's on a downward slope when it comes to the G1, but it's still so funny to watch him. Because when they both guys start doing the bad, doing spots together, I was crying. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that fucking they, the Bullet Club gets a taste of their own medicine here with that pop-up dick kick. It's like, that's what you guys get. Be careful, because when the ref's not looking, your dick's exposed too. I wish we could make that the episode name. Write it down just in case. But then again, wait, no, wait, no. Yano's not Bullet Club, though. Yeah. Yano's well, yeah, chaos. you're right. You're right. You're right. He's chaos. It, it's just Yano does do low blows. It's yeah. not very down there. He does like really fast ones. But yeah. yeah. The Bullet Club does it just as much, which we then get Hiroki Goto against Evil with Dick Togo. It's great that his name's Dick, right? But uh, the finish is everything is evil with the low blow assist from the Dick hitting you in the Dick. You ever thought about that? That they have a guy named Dick on their team that, that hits you in the Dick? Yeah. Low blow. Shit, right? Just sick of them at this point, man. All right. Main event of this night was Hiroshi Tanahashi against Sonata, with the finish being Sonata going over with the double Muda moonsault, the one to the back, the one to the front. Um, Tanahashi uh, looked good in this match. At one point, he was he he was in a paradise lock, um, tied into the ropes. Uh, there was this brutal high fly flow to the outside. Lots of knee pain in this. They were hurting each other's knees. Tana goes for the high fly f- flow, and then Sonata winds up getting his knees up. Sonata going for the moon and moon, so and then Tana gets his knees up. Whole bunch of stuff before they finally hit this finish here. And um, once again, and fucking Tana Hashi, the Iron Man G1. Yeah. 
But it didn't help him here, God. though. You know? Yeah, this, uh... At this point, it's like, it's anybody's game. Like, it's freaking crazy. Yeah. It is really crazy. That brings us back over to block A for night 17, October 16th, with Yujiro Takahashi going against Jeff Cobb. Uh, with Takahashi surprisingly going over with Pimp Juice. I mean, he won a match. Holy shit. Yeah, Takahashi, this late in the G1, night 17, gets his first two points. Yeah, he cheated a lot, though, because even distract the ref, he winds up hitting Cobb with a cane, then hits the Olympic slam. He's just a cheating cheater, like everyone in the bullet club here. Uh, At this point, I think he's the only one where I can understand it, because this is what he needs to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minoru Suzuki against Shingo Takagi with the finish being Shingo going over with Last of the Dragon. I don't know what's going on, man, with Minoru Suzuki. He's, his stock's dropping as we watch him further and further into this I, tournament. You know, I, I feel like I feel like it's his age. I mean, like I said at the start, the man's 52 years old. Like You can't, I guess, in storyline and even out of storyline, you can't have somebody that age going for these 19 days without it showing in some form. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, just too much. I'm watching Suzuki. You, you, you start out strong, but when it starts getting into those double digits, that's, yeah. when that, that's when it starts catching up to you. And I mean, Suzuki will always have the fight in him. But the problem is, at this point, it's you got to get the wins in you. Yeah. You and know, that's where it's having a problem. You know what it is, George? It is really long. And you're right, King Quest, the G1 is nuts. It is really long, but it's a pride thing with us, too. Like, just full disclosure here, we're doing this with six years. Our anniversary is coming up. Let's not forget, guys, our annual Talk Brunch anniversary is always Survivor Series, the Monday after Survivor Series. That being said, you know, we've been here since 2014. We've been covering New Japan since, like, the first week we made the podcast. Before they had English tracks or JR there. Or any way for you to know what's going on. You just have to sort of follow it in Japanese. So it's like a pride thing. We've kind of been covering New Japan before anybody else. A lot of these other podcasts didn't even exist. Including a lot of the British guys. Not for nothing. Yeah, and so, especially for me, it was a personal thing. Because I have never successfully finished a G1. I finished this fucker this year. Yeah, so it's like we, it's like one of those things where it's like we may not be like the most known. Because we're sort of an underground podcast. But this is something we've been doing way fucking longer than had anybody else had even thought of doing it. Yeah. So... This is something we couldn't not do. Right. One of those things. Uh, so where were we on this again? Oh, yeah, Minor Suzuki. Anyway. Yeah, no one reviews it anymore now, right? So now Okada. I know some people do, though. So now uh, we had Okada against Will Ospreay. With the finish being Okada uh, Rainmaker into the money clip. But then Bea Priestley comes out and interferes. And then they have, like, a, What's that guy's name? We forget. We, the Great Okan. The Great Okan who ends up choke slamming Okada, which causes Will Ospreay to be able to hit the Stormbreaker. And this is a this is like a heel turn because Osprey is not in chaos. He turned on Okada after the match. He told him that you that you you held me back. Fuck you, and uh, that's it. That's the end of uh, Will Ospreay. And then being as in a chaos. Uh, salt in the wound, he hits Okada with a vicious hidden blade. Yeah, in the back of the head. Well, he does that first, and then all the stuff I said happens. Oh, like, this yeah. is after the match is over. He hits him, and then under his body, he says all the stuff. Um, good stuff, though, as far as the match goes. Osprey's dive onto Okada practically in the corner outside looked really good. The avalanche hit blade as well. Um, Osprey reversing the Rainmaker into the one-armed Spanish fly looked really solid. Interesting direction that they went with the two of them, which their rivalry will come into play later on in the night, as well as some other stuff. So just keep that in mind. Uh... Then we had Tai Chi versus Kota Ibushi with Kota going off with the Kamagoya. 
Um, this was weird. This wasn't so much a wrestling match. It was a kick strength contest. Not very smart because they're just kicking each other as hard as they can almost for the entire match. There were so, seated kicks to the uh-huh. back of the head, seated kicks to the back, seated kicks to the thigh, standing kicks to the thighs. It was just like a whole bunch of kicking. Like it was all it was, just kicking the this shit out of each other. It was literally, we are going to kick the shit. We are literally going to kick each other until somebody goes away. First of all, 158 kicks thrown in this match. They kicked the dog shit out of each other. There was yeah. no technique. There was no high level of wrestling skill. It's we're gonna throw strikes until somebody can't throw strikes anymore. And that's exactly what they did here. That's exactly this what they did. And I thought it was crazy because no matter who goes into the finals from this, you're gonna be all fucked up, which will come into play later on, like we were saying before. Uh Tomohiro Ishii against Jay White with Ghetto finished being the vertical drop brain buster Ishii going over. Um, Ishii's left leg going into this match was bad. That's something he's continuing to cater to throughout the entire tournament. Kota's going to the finals, as is announced at the very end of this. Yep. Kota Ibushi has a chance to make history as the first person, I believe, since uh, the year 2003 and 2004 to double up on G1s. Mm-hmm. Which finally brings us to night, night 18, October 17th, Block B, Toriyano opening the show against Yoshihashi, with Yoshihashi countering Toriyano's yo blow, low blow into a roll-up. And, uh, yeah, that's what you would expect. Yoshihashi tapped Yano to his both, um, taped Yano, rather, to his both staff between the railing, um, for a close count on more tape antics about that. Aside from that, you know, more Yano stuff. Yano has short matches in G1, but they're funny while we last, so. Next, we had Hiroki Goto against Juice Robinson with the finish being the Pulp Fiction. Juice going over. We had Tanahashi against Zack Sabre with the finish being the High Fly Flow. But Zack rolls through. But then Tanahashi rolls through again, going over here. Uh, we had Kenta versus Naito with Kenta going over with an inside cradle. And yeah, then so Kenta has a title shot somewhere down the line. Exactly. Whenever and then this no... one was uh, the main event was actually pretty big because it was basically former LIJ members going head to head. Mm-hmm. Sonata, who still represents the um, the group versus Evil, being accompanied by Dick Togo. With the finish being Togo tries to choke out Sonata when he has Evil in the Dragon Sleeper, but Hiromu kicks him off of Sonata, and then he winds up um he kicks him off, and then Sonata winds up rolling up Evil. And I'm glad yeah that Hiromu Club, was on um, at commentary. Yeah, he was on commentary. He came to help us. I'm glad the Bullet Club was not going to the finals. Uh, there was a lot of Dick Togo here. He's meddling in Sonata's affairs, and he winds up getting rolled into a knot, and then he even winds up tying Eve into a knot. So you have these two Bullet Club knotted idiots on the side of the thing there. Um, it's funny because you've ever seen the me- the memes, and it's been used for different things. But when I look at these guys, I just think of a. Uh, you know, mom, can we go out for Bullet Club? We have Bullet Club at home. And then you see Bullet Club at home, and it's these guys. Hell no. <laughs> you know those memes you're talking about? No. That's what they are. They're Bullet Club at home. Mom, can we have That's burgers? awesome. Mom, can we have burgers from McDonald's? We have burgers at home. You know, it's you like, Mom, mom can, we have, can we have Bullet Club? <laughs> can we go out for Bullet Club? No, Yo, we have Bullet you Club. you don't understand. That's a fucked up memory. You just made me refresh, you son of a bitch. Bullet Club at home. <laughs> writing it down oh i just can't believe it's the fucking bullet club anyway but yeah there was a lot of that they get tied in knots here this will be a bullshit bullet club you know sonata hits double moon show with toga interfering um at least hiroma winds up taking them out you know but then evil winds up getting him like we said we know how this turns out though with kenta going going over because he's fuck (laughs) all right well we now know going into the finals of this you have uh 
Ibushi against Sonata. Crazy. I think we saw that guy who was just baby face and shiny in TNA, and then he joined the revolution, and now that fucker's in the G1 finals. D1 finals. Which brings us to the final night, night 19, October 18th. No block here because there's regular matches going into this final match. Yeah, one thing um, I like that uh, Rocky Romero mentions on commentary, they wonder why a lot of these guys are wrestling after going through G1, all all the people who have been eliminated. It's literally just to finish the journey. Exactly. Kind of like we were doing. You know, I can relate with that. Like, it's night 19. We're all out. But hey, let's do it one more time. Like, mm-hmm. And we open it with an eight-man tag match. Chaos members Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi against Suzuki Gun members Doki, El Desperado, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. To finish being Suzuki Gun going over with cheating, Desperado's illegal lethal right hands, and uh, Sabre hits him via assist with... Uh, I believe, like, what was that? A spiked white noise? Yeah, I think that's what it was. With, uh, that's what it looked like, at least. It was basically, so Suzuki Gun, basically, uh, Desperado hits him with a right hand, and then Saber hits him with the, that, with the, um, Desperado with the spike white noise, and then Doki, who's the legal man, does the cover, I believe is the way that it went. And then afterwards, they take a steel pipe to Ishii's leg, and then Saber's tearing Yano's arm. And it's weird because you have these strong guys in chaos, Goto and Ishii and Toriano, you know, and Yoshihashi, and they're all fucking laid out all over the place because once again, you have like the, the, the heels going over. I don't think the Doki and the Desperado, maybe Taichi and Zack Sabre, but the other guys are like, really? Those guys went over? All right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. The tag team match after this, Suzuki Gun members, more Suzuki Gun, this time their leader, Minoru Suzuki and Kanemaru against Los Ingobernables. Hiromu Takahashi and Shingo Takagi with the finish being Hiromu going over um, Kanemaru with the time bomb. Uh, you had an eight-man tag match with, with uh, Tanahashi, Jeff Cobb, Juice Robinson, and Master Wato being accompanied also with Tenzan against the Bullet Club members, Ghetto, J.Y. Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori. I didn't even realize Ishimori. I guess I forgot that Taiji Ishimori, even he's in the fucking Bullet Club. Yeah, it's because it's he's not usually... He- he usually just kind of does his own thing. Yeah. So he doesn't associate with the shenanigans as much. Can't believe they even have that guy. But anyway, Ghetto taps to Tanahashi. Um, but that Master Wado guy, he better watch his high flying. His corkscrew to the outside and even his hurricane rod. He keeps coming close to his head. Be careful. Yeah. Tag team match. Great Okan and Will Ospreay being accompanied by Bea Priestley against Chaos members Okada and Show. With the finish being Osprey tap show to the figure four after a dragon screw leg whip assist from Bea Priestley on the outside. And Great Okan in the meantime choke slams Okada, keeping him from the break. I like the way this match opened. Okada couldn't wait to get his hands on Osprey after what he did to him during the G1. He didn't even take his shit off. He kind of still in the big robe, you know, and was just punching him fully dressed Okada and his fucking entrance attire, beating the hell out of Will Osprey. Solid stuff there. Uh, then we had the tag team match, right? It was a Bullet Club members, Evil and Takahashi, with Dick Togo accompanying them against Los Ingobernables, which was Bushi and Naito, correct? Yeah, that is correct. What was the finish here? Uh, uh, Evil actually goes over Naito with a sharpshooter. Right, right. Correct. Yeah, interesting stuff. All of these feuds are uh, getting a little bit more development as we go into the G1 final match. Yeah. Being, I uh, guess it's because especially with... Uh, Evil, evil pinning Naito at one point during G1. He has a title shot waiting for him, so. Yeah. Finally, 
we get to the final match of the G1. Kota Ibushi we versus Sonata. Yeah, hashtag we made it. Uh, and Kota goes over Sonata with consecutive Kamagoyas. He just Kamagoyas him until he simply, until his chances simply don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, seriously, he takes him out. He goes over with the Kamagoya. But Ibushi gets fucked up via, via like this botched, uh, going under a drop kick spot where their heads sort of collide. It was shoot, but they sort of worked it into the match. Thankfully, I don't think there was any permanent damage done. Um, yeah. a few notable spots. I like when Kota countered the drive by. Essentially, Roman Reigns is drive by on the apron into a double stomp. I thought that looked good. Uh, Ibushi a few times, including this match, does the Nakamura's Bombaye kick, which we know as the Kinshasa, but they call it the Bombaye. He still doesn't know yeah, much of that. Yeah, uh, he always kind of shows that little tribute to Nakamura. Exactly. Sonata with the pop up TKO, following up with the Muda Moonsault across the back, but then Ibushi gets up with his legs for the body one. Um, and he does kick out of two previous Kamagoyas. It was the third one that puts him down. Overall. Which I believe he was the first person all tournament to kick out of Kamagoya. Yeah, so very protected until the end. They're very dramatic. And Sonata still gets a lot of props for his development going into this G1, which is what it's really all about. He leaves with a good amount of points. Solid stuff across the board from everyone. Yeah. The kid did it again. <laughs> Fucking Abuji pulled it off again. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and that is your G1 2020 Talk Brunch coverage. Yeah, the and I believe a, a cool little thing they did at the very beginning. God, I can't remember what the light was. I can't remember for life me what the guy's name is. But um, he won. Not only has he won five G1s, he won the first one. Right. I know who you're talking about. Name escapes me, yeah. too. But yeah, I mean, fucking hey, we made it. <laughs> 19 nights. 95 that matches, 39 hours. Do you even G1? Yeah, we do. Holy you want to thank shit. us? Tell your friends how badass we are. Tell your friends you want to hear a good wrestling podcast. How about these guys that cover and take their shit seriously? I'm going to fucking win on my 19 nights of action. Like, I don't want to hear it. But I do want to get the fuck out of here soon. So we're going to cover a few more things before we go. And with that, we're going to talk about the New Japan Pro Wrestling King of Pro Wrestling tournament. Right? Well, not even a tournament. Pay-per-view. Yeah, they are. Uh... Power struggle. Which Power is struggle, match. exactly. The first match, actually, is the King of Pro Wrestling title. It's a no-corners pad match. Toriano defending his King of Pro Wrestling's title, which is a trophy, against Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, I have to say, for a no-corner pad match, there seem to be a lot more corner than there ever is in ones that have corners. So kudos to them for doing that. But uh, Zack has Yano in a figure four in the barricade, but when he's in it, he ties Zack's shoes together. So when he finally breaks... He lets the guy get counted out, and he remains the king of pro wrestling. So, yeah. outsmarts he's, you there. He still got a few rabbits in his hat, people. He eh? sure does. <laughs> Next, we have the, the never open weight title match. Minoru Suzuki defending his championship against Shingo Takagi, with the finish being Shingo going over with the last of the dragon. So, there is a huge decline in Suzuki. He even lost his championship after fucking up in that tournament. He lost his title, man. Never G1 took new, it out of him. Hashtag and new never open weight title match, title champion, you know? Shingo. Yeah, physical is all hell, but yeah, that, that G1 took it out of, out of Suzuki this year. Yeah. Sad decline, but we'll see what happens. Next, we have Okada against Great Okan being accompanied by Will Ospreay with the finish being Okan taps out to the money clip. And it's sad that they made this guy into a big deal and Okada killed him. You know, Ospreay gave up chaos for that. Yeah, you know, it seems like it seems like Okan's more of like almost to be an advisor type role, but yeah, Osprey's definitely running this show, yeah, for sure. But 
And then afterwards, Osprey gets in the ring and he tells Okada that he used him to become more popular. And he talks about ending Okada's career at Wrestle Kingdom this January. Yep. So Wrestle Kingdom 15, we are going to get the Rainmaker versus the Aerial Assassin, Will Osprey versus Kazuchika Okada. Mm-hmm. Next, we had the IWGP United States Heavyweight Title Number One Contenders Briefcase Match: Hiroshi Tanahashi against Kenta's Briefcase. <laughs> the finish being Kenta tapping Tanahashi with the crossface. Um, story of this match is Kenta having a problem with Tanahashi's new haircut. That's why he decides to fuck it up in the middle of the match. Tanahashi, on the meantime, focusing on Kenta's leg to disable him from his lethal kicking. What are your thoughts here? Anything? I mean, yeah, physical is all hell as usual. I love, I, I, I've been so happy since Kenta's been back in New Japan because he's just been mean and nasty. What I really do like with, uh, and this is a prime example of it that New Japan does, when you get these briefcases for these title shots, you're not just safe. You can't just ride it out like money in the bank. Like you're, you're dangerous at any time. But yeah, it was um smart. I mean, the fact that Tanahashi's a veteran and a half old school thinking to think okay a lot of kenta's best moves involve his legs get rid of one of the legs yeah, smart idea but it wanted to not pull it off from unfortunately but yeah great match though definitely great man solid stuff i there. mean i mean kenta retains his uh, opportunity to battle john moxley for the u.s championship when moxley is able to come back over to japan yeah definitely definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there Which brings us to our co-main event. This is the IWGP Heavyweight slash IWGP Intercontinental number one contendership briefcase match. Kota Ibushi against Jay White with Ghetto. Finish here being Jay White going over with a backslide and his foot's on the ropes. And his foot's on the ropes. He has a right to challenge for the dual championships. I felt so bad for Kota because even though power struggles not connected to the G1, it just felt like all this work, these 19 days, this guy, and then you guys just shit on it with your stupid bullet club. But I did find out something uh, a little interesting when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. Hope is not over for Kota because uh, they did announce during the G1 that once again, Wrestle Kingdom will be a two night event. We don't know much of the card yet, but what we do know so far is on night one, Kota Abushi still gets his title shot. But what's going to happen is Jay White on night two will battle the winner. So Kota's hopes aren't done yet. Yeah, because Kota, Jay White said he's Kota not going to do shit. to get payback in the biggest way. Yeah, well, let's get to that first, because that, that actually comes into play here. But, uh, yeah, so Kota hitting that Boston driver was brutal. His Bombay gets <clears> countered <throat> into the... Uh, into that snapdragon uh his kicks despite his fatigue were very solid and they do a good job like i said before of making this bullet club hate it because now jay white is going over main event iwgp heavyweight title slash intercontinental title match tatsuya naito defending against evil with togon boy was i fucking nervous after all the bullet club shit that we've been dealing with for this but he goes over naito goes over with destino yeah so now it's uh holy yeah i I thought about it after her white went over. I was like, oh, God, are they really about to pull this trigger right now? Are we about yeah. to have a bullet club wrestle king? That spot where evil hangs a chair on Nido's neck and takes another chair and baseballs that chair off of him is fucking crazy. Every time he does that spot, I get scared. Yeah, that is really crazy. That is a um, level of trust. 
that I is, is unreal. Naito hits two Destinos, and this guy pulls the ref out. Fucking what's his name? Dick pulls the ref out. Starts choking Naito with the wire. Yujiro comes out in case you haven't had enough Bullet Club. He starts beating him with the pimp cane and hitting him with the pimp juice attack. And and Sonata comes, and then he uh he and 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 it's funny because when Sonata comes, he takes them out literally. Like he takes them out, like he's carrying them away. Like they're like, oh no, no, takes Who them away. Bro? You know, uh, evil ends up taking out red shoes and then hitting Naito with a low blow. So in exchange, Naito hits evil pop up dick kick, getting a couple of these. You know, Jay White comes out to interfere, but Coda, who's still hot about his chance being ruined, he comes on, he fucks with him, and it's like Coda's gonna follow him to the ends of the earth. He has a Terminator on his back now. <laughs> you, you got know? pissed off the wrong one. You did. You really did. But thankfully, Naito retains. He keeps the championship. Yep. So now on night one of Wrestle Kingdom, it'll be him versus Ibushi. Mm-hmm. The winner gets Jay White on night two. One thing I love, which we didn't talk about, was at the end of the G1. I love it. I don't know if you saw it, but Coda's backstage. Did you catch when Coda was backstage after he won? I didn't. Uh, so he wins. And like his attitude, because uh, Jay White is jealous that he won. Let me see if I could find it. Do I have it here? Oh, God. Tell me you do. Because it's worth taking a quick look at if I do. Uh, I should. It'll take me a minute to find it. Oh, yeah. Take take your time. I mean, kind of go back to what uh, some of the stuff I said in the chat room. Like, yeah, George is right. A lot of people don't review G1 anymore. You know why? Because a lot of people don't have the stones to get through G1. All right. I had to schedule G1 sessions. Rick, I think we talked what? We had, what, five messages between us this last Monday? Yeah. Because you were literally just G. Well, we didn't do shit Wednesday. We didn't do shit Saturday. By the time I got to Sunday and I realized nothing happened, I was like, oh, yeah, that means it's G1 and through this week. Yeah, that's what I pretty much did. Yeah, I don't think I could bring that up on the Tron here. But he basically takes a Z-Mon. He slammed because because freaking Jay White comes on. He's condescendingly applauding like, oh, you're the winner. And he's clapping and shit. And like Coda looks at him and gives him the only evil stare. And he like pops one of the Z-Mons that's on the table. And like just slams it down in front of Jay White and then pops <laughs> one for himself. And he's just looking at him really evil with that evil Coda look with his Zima and with Jay White Zima there. So then Jay White sits down and they both drink Zima, but they're, they're drinking it like defiantly. You know what I mean? Like a fuck oh you Zima God. between the two of them, <laughs> which was great. It reminds me of like when The Rock and Stone Cold like celebrated in the in the ring with beers before WrestleMania 17. Yeah, they know? kept clashing. But it was great that he, that he fucking came and he applauded. And just the way Coda looked when he popped that thing and he slammed that shit down and just looked up at him. And I know what was going to happen. And he took a seat and they both just drank Zima in hatred yeah. for each other. <laughs> well, holy shit. Like. Despite what happened at Power Struggle, that kid earned that. Absolutely. Like, unbelievable performance by Kota Ibushi. I couldn't be more proud of him. Like, by the time I got to that match, because what I like so much is when Abushi hit that final Kamagoye, he didn't get up for a solid maybe 45 seconds because that kid gave everything he had left. For that one, like I love the fact that when it comes to G one, when the A block, when the A block and the B block winner finally go head to head, they give it literally everything they have left because this is like the people, people like this is no joke, people. This is the most grueling tournament in this entire friggin' industry. 
You can keep your Bound for Glory series. You can keep your King of the Ring. You can keep all that shit. Like, nothing is more brutal, not only as a wrestler, but as a fan, than the G1 Climax. No, nothing And for the 30th one, absolutely incredible. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad it was an honor and a privilege to be able to bring you guys that. And it was a lot of work, but still an honor. I can tell you right now, it was difficult because keep in mind, people, I've been finished with G1 for like three weeks. No, you haven't. (laughs) Fuck off. You've not been for three weeks. Has it been like that? It's been been since last week. When it ended, yeah, G G one's been gone for a little bit. It's, Let's have a look a bit. at when. Uh, I'm trying to think, when was like like night nineteen? That's been. I could tell you in a minute. Give me a second here. Night nineteen yeah. was uh October eighteenth. So you're right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah because I I think it's because I would I would usually catch them maybe like a couple of days yeah, after yeah. they would actually go, but yeah, well, power struggle I, I, just happened a couple of days yeah, ago. Power so struggle we could, just we happened. couldn't be more up to date. You know. So we caught up in time for that. If you ever wonder why these guys have breaks in between these events, this is why. But what was cool, I think it's uh, right around the corner, actually. They did announce during G1, and I am going to watch them both, too. Uh, World Tag League and Best of the Super Juniors are back. Yeah, which I don't know what I'm going to watch. Nido's already said that the next time you see him is going to be Wrestle Kingdom. That might be the next time you see me. I mean, because I know guys like uh, Juice and uh, David Finley are going to be in it. Obviously, the Gorillas of Destiny are going to be there. Yeah. And then with the Super Juniors, they're going to have a lot of those names there, too. So I think for I me, can. a lot of these tournaments, I've never outright watched them before. Yeah, I'll catch what I can. So, no promises. Maybe I'll be all in again, you know, but I'm I'm not making promises. Destin got you guys. I damn sure. Oh, believe me, I got you all. All right. Yeah. I told myself yeah. 2020 is a year where I'm getting through all these fucking things. I'll ride piggyback <laughs> if I can't catch it. It's busy enough running this whole entire operation, but I'll do what I can. I'll definitely do what yeah. I can. All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping up because I am so in a rush. No pun intended. No Leo Rush. No, Leo Rush is going to be a Power Ranger. We talked about that earlier. He's going to be in that white tiger shit that that uh, Jason David Frank is making. Yeah, go back and catch the beginning if you missed it when we uh, kill the feed. It'll be up on here. Anyone who doesn't feel like waiting, always forget you. Don't, never forget you can go to facebook.com slash talk brunch. It actually helps, I think, more for us at this point if you go to the Facebook and give it a view and a like than probably any of the other platforms. Anyway, before we get into SmackDown, Jay Uso did a, uh, a meeting with Kayla Braxton where he talked about how the previous week he was very sorry for what he had done to Daniel Bryan at the end of the show. He talked a little bit about just how he felt overall. Figured I would uh, let you guys hear a little. I don't know how long this is, but let's see if it's worth a fuck. Well, hey, I was just giving the the fans kind of a rundown how I thought it was kind of crazy that uh, I was able to get you on this because I know you've had a lot going on over the last few weeks. I don't know how much you want to say. Um, first of all, I mean, how are how are you how are you feeling? I'm real good, Kayla. You know, these past couple months, everybody everybody saw what was was going down. You know, oh, should I? Falling in line, man. Oh, I lost two big pay-per-views to him. This goes deeper than what it is on TV, man. So my my actions last week, man, I, I, I'm sorry, and Daniel that, Bryan. I'm sorry to his family. So was it wasn't personal to Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Daniel Bryan was really, really at the wrong place at the wrong time, for real. It could have been anybody. It could have it could have been anybody. Oh, um, so... The oath is real, man. You know, I faced the consequences. I told him I never run from. Him. I'm a face. It. And that was yeah. it. I knew what I was getting into. But this is it, man. This is the game we play. Uh, 
sucks, think, man, but I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think what I think I was confused watching and I think everyone was watching, you know, when we first saw the first time we saw you on SmackDown on Friday night, you told Roman you hated him. And it was one of the most emotional moments we've ever seen from you in the history of WWE. And then, of course, when it concluded after you won that Survivor Series qualifying match, we saw a completely different side of you and to where you finally said what Roman wanted to hear. I mean, what was the ch what changed in those hour and a half, two hours? It's okay. His ringtone is what changed. Man, it really felt like um, all night at SmackDown, it felt like two hours, two years, man. And uh, it's, it's, like a, it's like a double edged sword. We're all, oh, why you do that? Why you do that? Man, y'all don't know what the hell y'all want. But I know I got to do what I need to do to, to provide for my family. And man, that's the number one. That's been the, that's been the, the goal since I came in here. And, and man, that, that's my, if this is how it's got to be, then this is how it's got to be. Oh, it's a sharky shark world he's, that we he's, live he's in. Not the best on promo without the guidance of the production. Yeah, he, he he's not that good at winging it. I'll share that with you guys if anyone wants to be tortured more. <gasps> it is on the social media now. Okay, uh, you have Sasha versus Bailey. That was very brutal. <sighs> Fucking nuts! They yeah. kicked the shit out of each other in this match. They really did, right? Like, there was like this was, this was one of the most physical women's matches I've seen that didn't involve weapons at all. Long time. They're still one of the best acts in the entire company. I want to bring up something up here. Let me see if I can find this spot. Was their match first? It was right. Yeah, they kicked off the whole show. I want you to look at a couple of sequences that happened here. Bear with me while I bring this up. But they did a couple of spots that were really brutal looking, and uh, you normally don't see stuff like this. But take a look here, for example. Okay. Look at how she hits here. Boom. That was she brutal. Just the way she hit so that, that apron. Like they hit each other. They're they're almost stiff with each other. If not, they're a little snug, but it looks really nasty. Because keep it watching. It seems like they're so comfortable with each other. They almost can be stiff. Like, Yeah. At least it, it feels that way. You know. But there's another the spot. That meteora looked brutal too. But there's another spot coming up here when you see it. This. Look at this. Not not the first time she does it, but the second time she goes for that meteor. Look at look at the fucking spot they do here. Lord, <laughs> holy shit! Good God! Like what the <laughs> fuck? I've never seen somebody take that bump that way before. I when when this when that happened, like you, you ever you ever see somebody go like high up in the air? And you're not sure what way they're gonna land. What was Halfway that? Through that? I'm like, I don't know where she's Sasha gonna land. Like throws herself everywhere, man. Sasha is not afraid whatsoever. That is like, nuts. Look at the... That looked cool, right? That was dope, right? I yeah. agree with you, George. It did look amazing. Look, I hurt like a bitch, too. Like, yeah, Bailey hits the backstabber into the um, Bailey the belly into the flying elbow. Bailey also locks in the bank statement, her own version of an ugly bank statement. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, but uh, that's pretty much it. That ends the Bailey Sasha feud for a while. I feel it was too short. I feel like there should have been more drama. It's one of the things that should have been a slow burn feud, but it's over because at the end of this, when uh, Sasha is celebrating, she gets a surprise freaking uh, visit from somebody, which we're going to bring up on the screen right here for you guys to see. There we go. Boom. Bring it back. Run it back one more time. Carmella with the super kick in her new attire. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, 
at least she actually showed up. They had never leaned on her. So. Oh, wow. Oh, you trolls out there. Ha. Yeah, I guess you're right in that aspect of things. I got that on social media for you guys as well. She follows up with an X Factor and pretty much makes it clear she is coming for her title again. Mm-hmm. Anything else stand out to you this Then We got to wrap up here, son. We got a shitty road to cover, and I got uh, to close this, this thing down. You had uh, King Corbin against Rey Mysterio with Dominic. And Ruby Riot uh, qualified for the SmackDown women's women's team. Yeah, Corbin. Which is over in that the first match. time she had her hair that short since her first debut with NXT, but yeah, that was pretty much. You had Otis against Seth Rollins. Because why not? You know, which I believe uh, what happens is uh, freaking Murphy costs him the match, which causes Aaliyah to get upset. But I guess Murphy wants Rollins to be in the match so he can have him at Survivor Series. It's it, it's, it, Murphy has some kind of plan. More creepy large Sullivan bullshit happened. Yeah. Um, I needed an adult, and that adult needed an adult. Jey Uso has to face Kevin Owens because Roman Reigns at the beginning of the show basically got f- caught wind of the fact that there was a segment where Jay and Owens are backstage, and he sort of makes fun of him for being uh, the guy who brings Roman his coffee. And then uh, Paul Heyman and Jay did an unauthorized interview, as he put it. Yeah, very unauthorized, which Roman tells him, you got to run that by me. There's a there's a order of command here, and if he disrespects you, he disrespects me, which means he disrespects a family, take care of him, which is the reason why he has this match against Kevin Owens, with Jay Uso going over in this match um, with uh, with the Uso splash, right? But, that, but yeah. it's also because uh, Jay hits a low blow after Roman Reigns' music hits, which distracts him, and that's the reason why the Samoan dynasty goes over. Yeah. Storyline has been fantastic. Yeah, that's been good. That's definitely been good. Uh, we haven't talked about ratings today, but we will, which we're going to go with uh, first with the Wednesday Night War. AEW is back on top with 717,000 viewers versus NXT 610,000. Neither one of these shows in the top 50 cable shows. AEW had a point thirty in the 18 to 49 demographic with NXT having a point fourteen in the 18 to 49 demographic. They're once again doing like about half of that. Okay. Um, we don't have any of the buy numbers for the, uh, the pay-per-view yet. We'll be getting that to you next week. Um, as far as SmackDown goes, they did 2.209 million viewers with a 0.7 in the first hour, 0.6 in the second, 18 to 49 demographic ups from last week, which was 2.133 million. Uh, then we get to Raw of last week because we're not ready with the numbers of this week yet. Last week brought in a three-hour average of 1.656 million, dropped from the 1.732 million that they had the previous week. What do you want to talk about with Raw, if anything? <sighs> I, the only I, thing me, it felt, that was different it felt like everyone was fighting everyone you know like i have paid attention because i'm just almost completely fed up with them so um, the only thing when it comes to the actual show i'm gonna talk about is the fact that uh bliss basically dumped uh cross for the fiend now yeah, my she, favorite part. she made her choose and she said the fiend yeah pretty much now uh my favorite part because i've been waiting to bitch at them for this for two weeks now it's survivor series it's supposed to be. Remember when it used to be Team Raw and Team SmackDown, and then that was it. Yeah. First of all, uh, I did find out NXT is not in it this year because Vince is salty. They haven't been beating AEW in the ratings. At least that's the speculation. Yeah. And just knowing them is right a fucking reason. But uh, if these guys are teams, why are they fighting? To the point where everyone's fighting everyone. It just feels like a whole bunch of wrestlers all fighting each other at the same time with no one getting along. It was just a whole bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Like, 
I didn't feel like anything that they did really mattered or stuck. There's a bunch of qualifying matches. They're arguing about who the team captain is, which there's not even a benefit or if there's going to be a benefit. Say that there's a higher pay rate or something for being team captain, but they're all arguing over it with a sense of pride for something no one gives a fuck about because the teams will be dissolved right afterwards. Um, Can can somebody tell them the whole gimmick of all of our teammates are fighting, so who's going to be the least shitty team doesn't work? Yeah, well, Riddle wins his spot between Elias and Jeff Hardy for that Survivor Series match. Um, You know, Lana has a match against Shayna with Shayna going over and they actually uh, stop, what's her name, Dana Brooke and uh, what's her name, Mandy Rose. They come on, they stop her from going through a table, which made me think, oh, for once, she's not going to go through a table. Maybe there's going to be something classic about this. But then you remember what show we're watching. You know, they have the the guys who are acting like kids, even AJ Styles, where they're arguing about, you know, the teams and shit. That started getting old. It became white noise to me. Um, they have Sheamus and Braun Strowman against Keith Lee and Riddle with uh, Keith Lee and Riddle going over. Uh, Sheamus hit Strowman with a running knee. Um, Riddle was kind of funny giving them all names. He called one of them Fireface and uh, what was the other one? Like like Sheamus was Fireface. Uh, Keith Lee was Bro Lee. Uh, freaking... Braun Strowman was Mongoose, and AJ Styles was the skipper, I believe. I swear to God, he's the only part of this team I give a relative fuck about just because he made me laugh. Yeah, but like you said, the other thing was The Fiend. The Fiend thing that happened with Bliss Truth is that. Um, that was the only thing that wasn't copy and paste the, from freaking the last two weeks. The Hurt Business beat up Drew Gulak. Yet another person who wanted to be a member, and for some reason they're into bad business because he'd be a benefit, but they beat him up. And then Titus O'Neil comes out. Um, reminding him that he also got his ass kicked. So you get Titus O'Neil versus Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title with, of course, Bobby Lashley going over. Which they're so lazy about Titus now. He doesn't even have actual gear. He just comes out in black pants. And yeah, shoes. and it was like a squash. It was a squash. Oscar has a match against Nia Jax, which uh, Oscar wins by DQ, um, which then Lana winds up going through the fucking <laughs> table, right? Because there's like a brawl and everything. It's It's just weird. Solana's going through the table again. Maybe they're, they're trying to make her the weak link. The only way this will make sense to me is if at Survivor Series she's the survivor and wins it for her match. Like for and then team. they're gonna put her through the table again, and, and she goes through the table again, right? And start like, like literally, there's no no matter what they do, this is shit. And look at that, our numbers dropped across all chat rooms when we started talking about Raw. And Fuck you, Raw. Fuck em. Yeah, our <laughs> truth and Kira Tazawa and Drew Gulak, Lindsay Dorado, Tucker, Grand Metallic, and uh, freaking. Rowan, I believe. No, not not Rowan. Uh, no, 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 no. That, that uh, was all of them because it was a seven way match. Yeah, it was twenty four seven about title. That's all that you really need to fucking know about. Uh, we had nine Rowan. title changes. Yeah, it doesn't even really matter to me. I don't really care. It really don't matter to me. Right out with the belt anyway. Yeah. Mustafa Ali against Ricochet with Mustafa Ali going over. Right, you have a bunch of retribution fuckery out there. Uh. What else did you have? You had Randy Orton, The Miz, and Morrison against New Day with Drew McIntyre. With Drew McIntyre and The New Day going over. And, uh, and, and, and George, neither Raw or SmackDown was getting along. So, yeah. <laughs> see how much more boring the, that is than all the other stuff that we talked about? We went from freaking 158 leg kicks in one match. It just felt like a lot of chaos. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was they literally just copied the same bullshit they did last week, which is Lana goes through a table, her business beats up somebody for no reason, all the teams fight, and then they just said, hey, let's put a little dot in here called Alexa Bliss breaks up across. Yeah, like it just doesn't really next seem week like it's going to be the same thing. So at this point, I'm just like, why the fuck am I even going to watch Raw next week? Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, are we done here for this week? Yep. All right, great. 
that being said, thank you to all of you who have hung out with us for this uh, wonderful coverage of everything that we've done New Japan and everything. Stasis Dreams and Willy V2 and EB Gamer and King Quest and Georgia to Z, Princess League, Weekly Planet, aka Ashley Saddis, Kitty, Pixie Starla. Thanks for the host, Sayman Senpai. Also, thank you for the host as well as Nico Louis TV. You guys are awesome as always. Of course, all of you listening across all of the airways of talkbrunch.com eddie also three seven four five nine sorry i missed you guys there and also those listen on itunes stitcher tune in soundcloud iHeartRadio, uh as well as uh facebook.com slash talkbrunch twitch.tv slash talkbrunch and all of the above ladies and gentlemen you have been listening to talk brunch live episode 419 hosted by yours truly rick dara aka captain brunch for myself and my co-host destin soul blow frazier we're out of here. Yeah, another G1 in the book. See y'all next year. Shut it down.